the blast from our past network. Hey, this is Zach Ward, better known as Scott Farkas from A Christmas Story, or Nikolai Zhnofov from Resident Evil Apocalypse, or Dave from Titus. And you are listening to Podcasting After Dark. Lock your doors, close your windows, turn out your lights, for chills and thrills await you. It's time for Podcasting After Dark with your hosts, Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Stay with a friend, say your prayers as grisly ghouls close in to seal your doom. Tonight's episode, The Exterminator, stars Robert Ginty, Christopher George, and Steve James. Welcome to another Jowl-centric episode of Podcasting After Dark. I'm Corey. And I'm Zach. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's a good one. I like that. I like that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's as good as my underwear shredding episode like with The Thing, but uh, uh, Gentry, what's his name? The lead lead actor? Two words. Robert Ginty. Oh, Ginty. Okay. All right. Robert Ginty. Boy, does that guy have some jowls, man. I love my I love me some Robert Ginty, but uh, we will we will definitely dig into the Gint, uh, <laughs> the Gintification yeah. of, of this fucking R.I.P. R.I.P. Ginty because oh, he's no fuck. longer with us. Uh, I mean, oh, whatever. It's not we're, uh, we're not going to besmirch the guy. Uh, he died. Sure. He died. No, I mean, I'm I'm going to go hard on him this whole entire episode. <laughs> you better go hard. He uh, he died 11 years ago, by the way. So ah, oh, fuck that sucks, yeah. man. 2009. Okay. All right. Well, uh, hey guys and gals, we are we're talking about the 1980 cult classic, The Exterminator. Bum 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 bum. Yeah. Not to be confused with The Terminator, of course. Not to be confused with. No, you're talking. This movie's called The Executioner, dude. Mm. No, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Cut that. That's staying in, bro. That's staying in. <laughs> If you could no, see dude, the look on my face, I was like, wait a minute. Has my whole life been a lie right now? <laughs> no. You know what, though? I, I have been going back and forth, exterminator, executioner, exterminator. Ex- and so when I've been, you know, you and I text each other all the time and I'm texting you exterminator, but it's coming up executioner when I click when I when I when I was I'm typing it. So I'm like, wait, no, no, exterminator, not executioner. Damn it. Damn, it's like your subconscious like coming through or something yeah, right I don't there. Know. Yeah, it's you know, Big Brother man, chariots of the gods, chariots of the gods. So. <laughs> <laughs> now this is uh, what if we're wrong about him? <laughs> <laughs> this is the thing, part two. Kidding. Um, well, yeah, I, the, I gotta say, buddy, uh, I do actually think the executioner is a better title and more fitting for this movie. Yeah, it it come that there's a sequel. Uh, that's worth revisiting as well for this film. And Exterminator feels a little better because he, he's like a garbage man in that one or something like that. There's a little more punch to it. Uh, okay. Yeah, the, yeah. like his... At one point, uh, in, in full full uh, full disclosure, I watched... This is the first movie I've watched for Podcasting After Dark with someone else. Um, typically, my wife is you know, in another room. Cause she doesn't want us want to go sit through the, uh, the debauchery or whatever we've, we've, I'll put her through, uh, even though, you know, whatever it is, what it is. And, uh, this, this one, our good buddy Diallo 
uh, sat in with me and watched this. So the whole time he's like, when did the Punisher comic book character come out? Because this has kind of a similar vibe to it. And the Punisher yeah, comic book I, character it came out in the late 70s. So, Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, I think Punisher came out in the late 70s. So this, uh, this was definitely tapping into some kind of zeitgeist at the time. Yeah, uh, you know, it's same probably same zeitgeist as the Punisher, which is you know all these all these guys are back from Vietnam, and you know they're trying to be assimilated back into into normal life after you know some of them have done some pretty horrible things or seen some horrible things or yep. experienced some horrible things, and yeah, it's it's I find that aspect of this movie to be utterly fascinating. Yeah, um, I I find uh, just that this whole time period early 80s new york to be pretty fascinating yeah absolute hellhole and and um you know what's his nuts uh shit the the mayor of that kind of cleaned up new york uh giovanni uh what's his name giuliani yeah Giuliani, there you go. Duh, Jesus. Okay, I was gonna say, uh, you know, disregard whatever you know politics is going on now with <laughs> yeah, yeah. him and and his level of insanity. Um, he, I mean, just look, just look at, watch this movie. And I say that because this movie uses a lot of shots uh, of New York that are utterly amazing, absolutely beautiful shots of New yeah. York. But it looks like a fucking shithole. And what yeah. he did was was truly remarkable to bring New York ar- around like that. But uh, this is still kind of like. The New York that I always sort of picture in my head, you know, I in yeah. my head I always picture like that that French Connection New York, seventies, uh, uh, early eighties New York, um, and and you know, kind of always a little bit scared of it, right? Uh, just just a smidge because it just it seems absolutely terrifying. Well, New York was a hellhole, uh, and so many of these movies. This was kind of technically the second of the exploitation revenge flicks that came out in the early eight late 70s early 80s this came out after uh death wish which came out in the mid 70s which is crazy to me because i because we looked it up or and it was like 1974 it's like this that was a long time ago but yet exterminator came out before a movie called vigilante which i i don't know for some reason going into january i was like what am i gonna pick what after you picked the epic the thing for your uh for for your choice your last choice. I'm like, what am I going to piggyback on that? Like, what am I going to take? Uh, I think I'm going to go down an obscure exploitation route. <laughs> so yeah. uh, it's like, so what are you going to take all of our new listeners who jumped on board during the thing? <laughs> where are we taking them next? Oh, we're, gonna, we're taking them here. We're, we're taking ta- them right to the, ex- uh, the execution. No, wait, the exterminator. God the, damn it. You have me doing it now. Yes. I didn't even have a problem with this Mission before. Now. Accomplished. <laughs> yeah. Exterminator. I, no, the exterminator. No, like I, I had this, I had this vision uh, of sh- while sugar plums were dancing in my head, getting ready for Christmas, and I thought, you know, uh, where are my roots? Where are my roots in podcasting after dark? My roots lie in my childhood memories of like the the, the most debaucherous films that I wasn't allowed to see that my brother Eric introduced me to at the videos, or I saw it on a video store shelf and I was like, that looks really cool. What is that? And then I watch it as a kid and I get one opinion and I watch it now and as an adult and I get another. And this movie, while Vigilante is my favorite exploitation revenge movie of all time, Robert Forrester is in that. And that might trickle down into the, uh, the, uh, you know, annals of podcasting after dark down the road. But 
this movie in particular, I chose this one because it, it there was just something unique about it to me. Because, yeah, it taps into the Vietnam uh, vets kind of Rambo-esque. This came out before Rambo. Um, but it has that vibe of like, you know, we come back from this hell hole and how do we adjust or do we adjust or do we turn into psychopaths, you know, kind of thing. And I, I mean, yeah, now getting into it with you, I cannot wait because, uh, I, I, I have, I have so many mixed emotions about this film. So many mixed emotions about, you know, to talk about Tony, Tony, uh, you know, Tony Timpone on our, our interview we did with him and talking about the good old days of New York. And he was like, yeah, I used to hang out on 42nd street. It was great. And, uh, you know, watch a bunch of scary movies and, you know, it's like, well, this is, it's kind of, maybe that's what I was thinking about too, was, was our good buddy, Tony Timpone. You you were channeling your your inner Tony Timpone. <laughs> I was, and again, if you haven't listened to that interview, listeners, <laughs> new listeners, uh, please do it because I love that interview. I love all our interviews I did, but I've done with you. But this one is uh, close to my heart because Tony is. I've known Tony since I was a kid, uh, yeah. and so it was cool to like do a trip down memory lane and he he knows exterminator he knows the exploitation route uh he wasn't a big fan he <laughs> like i didn't really like I those know, movies i don't know why <laughs> i like monster movies i like monster movies i don't really like this uh those exploitation violent films you know but uh and this is some might say i bet you if you ask who's the guy who did um Oh, not Saw, but like the other ones uh, uh, with the... The Eli Roth or whatever? Eli, um... Yeah, yeah. If you ask Eli Roth if he knows Exterminator, I bet you he would do a total Quentin Tarantino rant on how much he loves that movie. Because this that feels like it's kind of a part of that I can I can definitely see how it's a cult classic. And I'll just give you, you know, we, we know your experience with the film. Uh, I'll give you mine, zero. <laughs> this is the first time I've seen it. <laughs> uh, I absolutely remember the VHS cover at the store. I absolutely remember looking at it and deciding, no, no, this one doesn't seem right. This well, one, let, let... this one, uh, there's there's a, there's a few red flags on there, which is uh, I can t- I could tell that the cover was uh, you know um, I, I don't know just fabricated. Like it, I don't know how but you can just sort of tell some of these covers that have nothing to do with the actual movie itself and right away i was like okay that is kind of a of a put off and how now having seen the the movie i can tell you well it sort of has something to do with the movie but not really and obviously it was it was shot on like in you know in a studio or something with somebody that is not the main character because those arms are way too cut on the cover oh dude and what's his nuts actually had in the movie because that guy with that droopy of a face and that soft of a, of a, of a chin and a face and jowls oh, cannot dude, have dude. arms that cut. <laughs> oh, talk to Vince McMahon about that, dude. <laughs> dude, but yeah, no, you're right. You're right. You're right. The, 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 for those of you that aren't familiar, the uh, the cover art for the Exterminator is a beef caked, oiled up, uh, <laughs> sleeveless uh, jumpsuit wearing. Uh, dude with a what appears to be a motorcycle helmet on his head and he's brandishing a flamethrower 
Uh, the, yeah, yeah, and and the flamethrower is only used for like a, a, a split second in this. It's not even like a main thing. I was expecting it to be more pronounced. Yeah, and even the mask itself, I thought, you know, like, yeah, the cover is like like ten percent accurate to the movie, essentially. <laughs> yeah, it 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 is. Um... It would be a disappointment if you're banking on, you know, uh, Brian on, on an oiled up beefcake, like flamethrowing people. It would, <laughs> yes. yes, it would be a disappointment if that's what you were banking on. But if you weren't and you're a fan of Robert Ginty, uh, then then this movie is got it all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, it's got Robert Ginty in spades. <laughs> <laughs> and unfo- yeah, I mean, it's so funny. I mean, are we? Are, when we once we like break start breaking it down uh, it's really i think it's hilarious the things where you go oh didn't expect that oh didn't expect that oh oh no this this movie going into it guys and gals i'm not saying i hated it man it was mm-hmm. it was a crazy ride and <laughs> i having just watched it about 3 hours ago i'm still like <laughs> assessing my feelings for this movie and you know by the end of this podcast, I, I could ha- I could say it's it's garbage. Uh, by the end of this podcast, I could say I loved it. And I'm yeah. telling you guys right this second, I do not know because this movie is that weird. It's it's structurally like weird yes. as hell, oh, yes. and weird. and it's very. Yeah, I can't explain it. We just we're just gonna have to like get into it and start picking it apart because I walked away. Even my wife was like, "So did you like it?" And I was like, "I don't know. I don't know if I liked it or not. <laughs> it was just so fucking weird." But one you know one text you sent me it does sort of stand out is it has its moments it has its its merits it has like its little yeah. gems in it and i'll call out the gems when i see them and i'll also call out the the trash when i see it and i am sorry <laughs> that that gendry is dead because he was Ginty? he was the biggest piece of trash in the movie so i'm gonna be uh calling out a lot on oh, him i'm and gonna I'm blow sorry, your mind buddy i'm gonna blow your mind in a minute because uh because uh someone someone who tapped uh, his performance in this as a big influence on their performance in another movie that came out about a year later. Oh uh, God! You, you, I'll get to that in a second. I will say, as far as posters are concerned, Exterminator Two, which came out in 1984, four years later after this film, uh, has an equally epic box art cover art, uh, which definitely is not the Gint. Robert Ginty, um, and it's somewhat, it, but it's like an illustration instead of an actual photograph of somebody. So it's still pretty. Yeah, and I honestly actually really love the uh, Exterminator Two poster art. Although again, I I've never seen the movie. Oh, it's great. But yeah, it's I mean, fun. the eighties had just a glut of just fantastic post-apocalypse looking, you know, uh, movie posters. Even if the movie itself was set in like quote-unquote modern-day New York, <laughs> yeah. which you yep. know, at the time was, you know, early 80s, uh, yeah. I guess, essentially. I mean, looking at, at the parts of this movie, yeah, it looks post-apocalyptic. It's yep. it's crazy. But <laughs> honestly, the, 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 the reason I'm really just sticking it to Robert Genty so hard is because I, I looked up his IMDb page, and the very first thing it says is, born in New York, rugged, virile, hard-looking action star. And I'm like, no, maybe Born in New York was correct, but none of that is correct. He's not rugged, he's not virile at all, and he's not hard-looking at all. And I'm just like, what is happening? And I am sorry that he passed away. I really, really am. And and it's weird as I want to just shit on him at the beginning. I actually kind of liked him in the movie. What is happening? Yeah, Why did yeah, he dude. have some kind of a weird charm to him in this film? I... 
couldn't look away even though I was literally repulsed by him. Well, I don't <laughs> understand it. Okay, so okay, are we just are we just jumping into this? Let's no, well, we, no. I need you to do your breakdown of the people that are well, involved because yeah, yeah. you yeah. you like to do that kind of stuff. So yeah, let's jump into the cast and the crew yeah. before. Yeah. Let's do our usual, but yeah, we got to get to the cast. I'm, I'm going to come back because I want. I'm going to come back to why uh, Ginty has such a power over you, and I'll get to that when we get to him uh, <laughs> because he's actually not. Uh, well, we'll get to that in a second. The Exterminator, right? 1980. It's a uh, Embassy Avco film. Avco has a badass logo. Embassy was they they were they ended up kind of fusing into I think Canon. Um, uh, I forget. I can't tell you off the top of my head Cause, specifically because wasn't Exterminator two a Canon film? Exterminator two was a Canon film. This was not. Um, okay. I, I don't. Canon was around though, I, and I you know I think because Death Wish one was a Paramount film. Death Wish two is a Canon film. Uh, but yeah, this was a Avco embassy Avco. I knew Avco from, uh, the fog, uh, they produced, they were the company who distributed the fog. And I just remember the logo being really cool. I, I, I have to say that my very first note, let me, let me pull it up. My very first note is love that Avco embassy film logo and yep. <laughs> I've never seen it before uh which you know just as everyone probably knows by now you and I you know our Venn diagram has obviously cross sections but we we have pretty different tastes in other realms yes and I have never seen that Avco embassy logo before I fucking loved it I was like oh my god like literally like made my dick hard I was like that is sexy <laughs> as hell and and I'll, I'll I'll and it's like the the way it sort of like the video of it coming together you know is, yep. is awesome um <laughs> i honestly i can talk for an hour straight about that logo to be completely truthful with you that's how much i loved it well dude avco was around for a really long time from the 60s uh up until the 80s uh and they put out movies i mean i'm gonna run down just a few of their movies that they put out phantasm please do uh okay. Fan- phantasm 79 uh the fog 80 um, Death Ship, which I think you might have posted it, uh, some talked about on Instagram at one point. Yeah, that's uh, de- yeah. It's weird that you're bringing Death Shit up, Death Shit, Death <laughs> Ship up, yeah. because I've seen two separate people in our horror, you know, community post pictures of it, and both times I commented, I've always loved that poster. For yeah. I've never seen it, but I've always very oh, much loved poster. that Death Ship poster. Um, but I, I got to stop you real quick. Like, yeah. I've seen Phantasm. Yep. I've seen The Fog, um, yep. although I saw The Fog with you. How come I don't remember that, that logo at the beginning? I, Was I not paying attention, or did I, they not use the same logo? I think uh, at times on the VHS release, sometimes the logo might have been cut from the from that release particularly. Um, okay. And, and I'll start going down a few more that you're going to be like, I've seen that, I've seen that, I've seen that, and I don't remember that logo. Uh, you'll you'll see, like, The Fog, it would just say Avco Films, you know? Well, yeah, because, yeah, like you're saying, um, uh, the, like, the animation of the logo starting yeah. is, like, it's a, it's a solid, like, 10 seconds of, like, logo, which is a long time for, like, a logo. Yeah. So I get why they would just cut it and then just put, you know, uh, just buy Avco, you know, in the normal sort of font uh, of the movie or whatever. But damn, man, you're you're missing out. Best part of your movie is that Avco logo. Well, well dude, I, 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 I equally to you, I love myself a good logo. Uh, and and they put out they put out scanners, the Howling, oh. 
you're, oh. you're, I mean, you're howling, right? And, yeah, uh, yeah. Dead and Buried, which is a great kind of um, just a, that that is definitely a underground. Not too many people know about Dead and Buried. That's a great film. Uh, yeah. It has like a Stephen King, you know, pe- creepy town, creepy vibe to it. Um, Final Exam, which is another kind of high school slasher flick. Uh, Escape from New York. Uh, Eye for an Eye, the uh, Chuck Norris film. Uh, t- time Bandits, Swamp Thing. Um, oh, gosh. The Challenge, which is a really... Oh, th- I think they distributed... Yeah. The Challenge, which uh, is a Scott Glenn samurai movie. Very cool. Okay. Uh, Zapped, which is a great teen sex comedy. Uh, and then we get into, like, Eddie and the Cruisers. This is Spinal Tap. The Sure Thing. Damn. Um, okay. The Emerald, a chorus and then, line. So did they get did they get like bought up by by Canon? Did they get like merged with Canon? And then like that's a lot of that's a lot of movies right there that I yeah. know about. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, I think I think they just they got dis, they got bought up by they just I think they kind of dissolved. Um, okay. You know, okay. just well that just, happens. Just a quick glance at the Wikipedia, their Wikipedia page. They it, this talks about how like MGM bought up some of the titles. That's why Escape from mm. New York has an MGM logo on it now. Um, Universal got some of them. Uh, Criterion Image, like Anchor Bay, uh, shit like that. So okay, you know, you, you look at that and you go, okay, that that's cool. Like they they, they just dissolved, kind of like what happened to um, Lightning Pictures and. Uh, uh, wizard video and you know a lot of those coming obscure but at, but obviously as i ran through just a handful of their hundred plus films they put out they were a solid production company yeah they put out some really classic shit yeah and yeah. they put out some shit and <laughs> just straight shit like the yeah, exterminator yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well you're like that's shit but i kind of love it um <laughs> but okay why so do i love it <laughs> yeah we jump into exterminator but but the to run down the the avco uh Run down the cast really quick. Uh, Extermin- well, Exterminator is directed by James Glickenhaus, written and directed. And James Glickenhaus uh, is, he's kind of like Bill Lustig in the sense that um, Bill Lustig did a lot of great kind of B-level exploitation films. James Glickenhaus did as well. Uh, he did a really killer cop movie called Shakedown with Peter Weller and Sam Elliott. Uh, yeah. I, lo- I love that movie, actually. Um, I think I've seen it before. My dad used to rent a lot of like cop thrillers back in the day when I was younger. Um, I would never, although I'm, you know, I'm looking at the IMDb right now. I recognize that poster for shakedown. Um, I I usually wouldn't rent them, but I do very much enjoy a good cop thriller movie. Yeah. He did a, he did a really killer, uh, Jackie Chan movie called the protector with Danny, Danny Aiello rest in peace. Um, and that's kind of a, that's a hidden gem. Um, that was right when they tried to make Jackie Chan a, 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 a you know a household name in the eighties, but it didn't work because he his English just wasn't solid enough yet, and yeah, um, and he just didn't have the same look. Like they were trying to make him a tough guy, and he's like a comedic actor. But yeah, James Glickenhouse yeah. was known for like shakedown, cop movies, you know, gritty gritty crime films, pretty much. Um, and yeah, he wrote and directed this, and then we move on to. The you know the the cast, which is funny because when the credits roll, they show three names, and that's it. Uh, so I'm gonna go down. I'm gonna give you four names, and then as the movie goes on, if someone stands out, I'm gonna 
I'm going to mention him because there's yeah, two. Yeah, actually, because I recognized a couple people in it. I cannot wait to see if you picked up on the same people I did. Uh, okay. B- but, um, yeah, it, it, Christopher George is the lead actor, and he plays Detective James Dalton. He's the badass uh, cop. And it was cool when I looked him up because I'm like, this guy's probably been in a shit ton, like Westerns back in the day, old school 60s and 70s type movies and he has he's he's like an you know old school uh 70s actor mostly yeah but uh the the fact that he's from royal oak michigan which is where i'm from uh oh okay cool i was like oh that's cool you know that's pretty badass he um he died in 1983 at the age of 52 uh which is really young if you think about that uh yeah but, but he plays detective james dalton he we'll get to you know as we go along we'll get to whether you liked him or not. And I personally thought it was badass. Um, Samantha Egger, she plays the doctor in the film, Dr. Megan Stewart. She doesn't have a really the, big role. No, the the British doctor. Why She had a British accent in it. Was that yeah, just dude. me? Was I picking up on that? No, no. Was she trying didn't. to hide it? No, they, no, because uh, at one point when uh, Dalton and Egger are, uh, uh, her character, Megan, are walking in New York at uh, Central Park at like 2 in the morning or something like that, uh, he's talking about, you know, her going to Cambridge or some some British school when yeah. he was in fighting. Yeah, in that's right. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's and, right. That, yeah, there was a, actually a pretty cool like overhead crane shot when they were walking that uh, that I got distracted because a branch uh, looked like it hit the camera as it was like yeah. sort of pulling back. I was like, oh, well, branch hit the camera. Huh, um, but yeah, that's yeah. when they were talking about that. And he was, he mentioned something about you know uh, you know she was like something about enjoying the years ago and he was like well they were a very different time for me essentially yeah Um, but yeah i remember that conversation i was distracted and i missed uh uh, why she was she so they they explained why she had the accent yeah they explain why she why she's british i guess or they allude to it but um but she if if you go down her resume shit she was in doctor the original doctor doolittle i know that's there's a remake coming out with um (laughs) morton downey jr robert downey jr (laughs) and uh and but I mean that's a that's a pretty big role to be in back in the day. But she's done a shit ton of voice acting. Uh, she was in Hercules, the the Disney Hercules, which is huge. And yeah. she's in Metalocalypse, which is one of my favorite Adult Swim cartoons of all the times. Um, she I mean she's just the fact that she was in that. I give her mad props because uh, that's that's badass in my book. Anybody who's in Metalocalypse demands mad respect because it's it's, if you if you don't know what metalocalypse is because it's been a minute since it's been out uh revisit that shit because it is so it's right up our alley dude it is podcast after dark stamped approval in in my opinion oh my mine too man i i've watched it too i loved it absolutely loved it i was just thinking how interesting it is because i'm looking at imdb and that she's second build and she's got like literally all of like 15 minutes max of screen time in this movie. And I went back and forth for a minute with, with Diallo about this. I'm like, Oh, that's weird that because we'll get to Ginty in a second, but uh, they're not the leads. And I, but they, I think they have the biggest, I'm assuming they had the biggest star power at the time. You know, these are people that had like pretty thick resumes of work up until this point. Yeah. And so makes sense that you would say, Oh, look at these guys who were in this movie. And then this guy, Robert Ginty, who's really the lead, yeah. you know? Um, so, yeah, and then they Robert Ginty is the third lead in the movie. Uh, and he obviously plays John East, Eastland, the exterminator. Uh, I caught myself. And, um, <laughs> and he's, you know, Robert Ginty 
if you're a fan of Mystery Science Theater 3000, because uh, I definitely am, one of their one of my favorite episodes of all time of that show. And if you're not familiar with it, I won't describe it. Just go check it out, Mystery Science Theater 3000. Um, they do a movie. They review. They they play. They show a movie called Warrior of the Lost World, which is a piece of shit. And outside the fact that it it stars the bald chick from Star Trek, the motion picture, uh, and Robert Ginty. Robert Ginty is the writer, and he plays himself. He plays the same character that he plays in this. He he's in a movie called The Bounty Hunter. He basically plays the same character that he plays in this. He, uh, I mean, he's got a, a pretty huge resume. He was in Loverboy, which is one of my favorite Patrick Dempsey. Um, comedies from the 80s he was the dad he was patrick dempsey's dad in that um he's just been in a ton of shit and did you say the the mystery science theater 3001 it was warrior of the lost world that's what uh, they did yeah okay because i I was because uh and that and he did that right before um exterminator uh that's another exterminator Exterminator 2 sorry he did that right before exterminator 2 yeah um warrior of the lost world that is another fantastic post-apocalyptic movie poster cover and i did rent that as a kid i don't remember anything of that movie so that tells you probably how i felt about it because i never went back and like rewatched it but that is an awesome movie cover and you guys should definitely (laughs) check out the cover of that one. yeah i mean when we promote this we should throw that up there um we um, will because i I will and exterminator 2 i'll put both of them up because exterminator 2 has a has a i i mean i have to say it as an artist i literally as as someone who is trained as like a fine arts you know painting and all that kind of stuff it is Exterminator Two is a gorgeous cover. It is dynamic. It's exciting. It's it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, I never saw the movie, so I can only assume the movie is trash. Oh, it's trash. <laughs> well, Exterminator Two. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, outside the fact that Mario Van Peebles has a huge star villain turn in it, he's so great in it. Uh, it, it, it it's worth. I mean, it's it's if you want a cheese ball, you know trash infused evening of film watching throw it in there it's it's worth it but but ginty though like the fact so he died in 2009 at the age of 60 which is a bummer um if you look up his resume i love that yeah the rugged you you said rugged virile hard looking action star if you start to go down that paragraph talks about how he played in band he played with Jimi hendrix janice joplin carlos santana john lee hooker like the guy was a probably not too shabby musician uh and then turn to acting so you know i'm on imdb you 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 write your own bio right so oh yeah no of course you do or your agent does or whatever so he so i love i love whoever wrote that deserves a deserves a an academy award for right i don't know for (laughs) because it's pretty well done but the fact that um he he's 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 a he's a dynamic guy that I read. And, and I can I look like this is I mean I, again I I want to apologize for shitting on him but no, don't listen it's it's a visual medium it's we yes. we are watching a movie <laughs> and I can't imagine someone further from an action hero no. than than Robert Ginty like literally his face could be the furthest thing from an action hero and then i read his, his imdb page and it talks about this hard looking or i'm like come on yeah. he's not hard looking he's the softest looking person i've ever seen in my life well i'm just gonna go there right now uh and say it it, it and it's and it is it is um according to imdb and it, it it's fact uh, kurt russell in escape from new york 
based his Snake Plissken character on Robert Ginty's John Eastman. You you go to hell. You <laughs> shut the fuck up and you go to hell. You go to hell for lying. <laughs> That's a, this is going to be such a great episode because, uh, you know. <laughs> because I'm recording from hell. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, no, dude, like, that's what, that's what no, it says. No, I believe you. I, that's, that's insane. I, I totally believe you. Um, and, I, and, I, and I can, sadly, I can see that. Sadly, I can somehow see that. Yeah. And like, yeah, I got to imagine this and... movie probably made some waves at the time, right? Yeah. No, it was – I mean this movie was trashed and and it was – you know, I, I, I won't read like the direct quotes, but, you know, uh, Roger Ebert or Siskel or one of them was like, you know, this is just exploitation trash. And and again, like, you know, people, people listen to critics back then not like they do now, you know – fans are critics now people listen to fans more than they do actual critics anymore uh but back in the day you your film lived and died on a critic right so if the critic was like that movie's trash don't go see it then people wouldn't go see it and it would bomb and this movie was lumped in with you know and i for for good reason like i can see why uh, I could see why I didn't like aspects of it, but but the parts that I did love, I was like, no, nah, I wouldn't trash it for that. Actually, I praise it for that, <laughs> um, including the opening. <clears throat> <laughs> the opening, the that opening, opening is, is wild. <laughs> but so before, right before we get to that, I just want to mention one more name because this guy is actually uh, like a huge. I'm a huge fan of this dude. I so wish he was still alive as well. So we're all. Four male leads or three male leads are dead. Uh, this Jesus. guy, Steve James. Steve James is the last guy I'm going to mention. He plays. And, and can uh, I tell you who I know? Yeah. Yes, I'm sorry. Yes, oh, please say who he plays in the. Movie. I was just going to say he plays Michael Jefferson, and that's John Eastland's best buddy. And we'll get to that in a second. Yeah. Why? But uh, what do you remember him from? I American Ninja. I always remember seeing his his picture in American Ninja. Um, yeah. Was he in the Was he in the sequels? Did he do more? Yes. Did he have more? Yes. Yeah, so he had more of a role in the sequel American Ninja, right? Yes. Like he kind of got a bigger role in him. Yeah. So I just remember seeing him on the cover of of all that kind of stuff. But um, you know what? I gotta say he was probably the best person, the best actor in this movie. And yes. sadly, he doesn't. He's not in it for very long. But no. But the time that he was in it, he was my favorite part of the movie. Yeah. He. Oh man, it's such, it's really, you know, not to bum anybody out, but, but he, he died at 41. Um, this whole, this whole episode's a bummer, man. Yeah. Sorry, dude. Like this guy should have been, uh, if, if, if he was alive now, if he, if you took Steve James and put him in now, he would be a huge action star, a huge action star. Forget the rock, forget anybody like this guy. I feel like this guy had so much charisma, such a great actor. And if you look at his, uh, slate of movies that he did, it's so eclectic, man. Like, yeah. American Ninja, uh, to I'm going to get you sucker and Johnny be good and yeah. the Delta force to live and die in LA, which is a great fucking movie. Uh, weird science, which he has a small role in that he was in the warriors. So that immediately gives me instant yeah. street cred, you know? Um, yeah. I saw, I saw that. And, and like, I feel like if he did, like if he was still alive, yeah. like, I don't. I don't know. Maybe I don't know what Quentin Tarantino's love for things were, but I feel like, like in from oh, dust yeah. till dawn, yeah, instead dude. of Fred Williamson, it would have been him. 
Yeah, and you know Fred Fred Williamson and Steve James are both individual Annie. Uh, and again, that's a great movie. If you don't know it, you should check it out. Robert Forrester's in it. Rest in peace. Um, yeah, he he and he could fight too, dude. Like he could he could seriously kick ass. He was a legit martial artist. Uh, and yeah, it's just such a bummer. And he is so great in this. And I, I remember thinking, cause you said you have zero knowledge of this movie going back as a kid. I watched it a handful of times and, and I loved it as a kid. And I always, I think I must've fantasized that he had a bigger role in this movie than he does because within the first few minutes of the movie, he's pretty much stuck in a hospital bed for the rest of the film. So, yeah, uh, I, I, I know sad, sadly, but, but I mean, like the time that he was on screen, um, and, and that he was actually doing stuff like, yeah, he just, he, it screamed, he screamed star to me, you know, Dude, like totally. I, I wanted to see more of him. I thought he was just absolutely fantastic. And, yeah. uh, if anything, you know, and I, and by the way, guys, I have never seen American Ninja. I just know him from the cover and the box art. I was not a big ninja fan, you know, that, that swept the eighties. Um, yeah. I was not a big ninja fan back in the day. Um, so this is actually my first time sort of really getting into Steve James. And I got to tell you, I absolutely loved him in this movie. I was like, Oh fuck that, This guy's awesome. Like seriously. Yeah. 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 Every time you see him on screen, you're just like, I want to party with that guy. I just, I, I yeah. want to hang out with that guy. <laughs> yeah. So let's get into it. you have to kill to survive on the streets of new york the choice is the same for the exterminator is on the police are chasing a killer who's not only smarter than they are he's doing their job that's what it's like to be a victim the exterminator the man they push too far. Uh, the movie opens up. Huge explosion. Huge. <laughs> Which, best, by the way. Best opening ever. Best opening ever. I post the picture on our Instagram. <laughs> Just an explosion on top of a mountain with a dude. A great stunt because that person jumped like stories. Like, yes. Like 15 stories. It was a mountain he jumped off of yes. with a huge explosion behind him. Blown away. <laughs> Blown away from the get-go. So, I mean, you know, this is how I'm starting the movie. Like, never seen it before. Completely in awe of the very first stunt of the entire film. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I Same reaction. Uh, Diallo said the same thing. He was like, this is the way you start a movie. <laughs> yeah. Every, yeah. Everyone, like writers and directors, they need to see this movie at some point. In, yep. to, a, a lot, to know what not to do for a lot of things, but yeah, at yeah, the same time, sure. how the fuck to start a movie? Yeah, this dude. is it. Because yeah. the, the the whole scene, this whole like first five, ten minutes of the film is amazing. Amazing. Yeah, it is. It is amazing. Uh, fun fact. I guess at the end of this movie, and I didn't double check, but it, but uh, in the credits, it allegedly says it was filmed 
on location in Vietnam. Uh, no, it wasn't. It was filmed in Indio Palm Springs. So <laughs> for uh, that was, scene. Yeah, I was going to say it, that whole place looked like a, a quarry, you know, at, yeah. at night that they just, you know, whatever. But yeah. uh, it doesn't matter. It, was no, it doesn't matter. Fucking awesome. But yeah, t- tell us about like, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to jizz all over this first like 10 minutes of the movie. <laughs> yeah, and then I'm going to sit quietly <laughs> <laughs> for the rest. You're going to be like. I didn't like that. Um, so, yeah. So, apparently – so, yeah, that's Robert Ginty gets blowed off. And he's – by the – so it's Vietnam. Uh, there's a huge explosion. Robert Ginty and Steve James get are, are soldiers, American soldiers, battling the Viet Cong, and they get captured. Uh, cuts to everyone's tied up in this VC – uh, village or, or what do you call it? Like a, you know, like a, yeah. it's a tortured. village. It's like, a a little, yeah, a little compound. Yeah. yeah. A compound they're, Yeah. Because, and they're doing the thing where like they're on their knees, but like their hands are tied, uh, yeah, they're bound um, or whatever. Like out. Yeah. But they're bound, but like they're outstretched, like their arms are like outstretched and everything. And there's yeah. uh three of them. There's Genty, there's, um, uh, James. And then there's another dude who's not going to be around. Oh much yeah. Th- this guy, the, the head. Uh, so, the head. so <laughs> the I don't, I don't know the exact name of the, of the guy who plays like the Viet Cong leader, but he's super familiar to me. Um, I didn't track him. I didn't go deep enough on him specifically. Do you recognize him from anything? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy, uh, I, I freaking just put like I just closed out my phone, but I know exactly who you're talking about because I saw him. Uh, George uh, Chung, um, he, I know him. He, uh, shoot, um, crap, crap, crap. I'm literally cycling through his IMDb because I know him in a gazillion fucking things, and but I'm trying to find the one sort of thing that I I really know him from, but. God damn it. Uh, he was in Austin Powers. He's in a Rush Hour. He was just yeah. in a, He's been yeah. in a ton of shit, honestly, and was, guys. Yeah. And there was another there was another Viet Cong guy who actually uh, you'll recognize him from Big Trouble in Little China as one of the, the um, one of the gang gang bangers in, in that film. Yeah. Um, fun fact, by the way, Samuel L. Jackson is credited uh, as an extra in this film. Um Really? Yeah, just thought I'd point that out. And I'm about to get to one other important credit with this scene coming up. Uh, So, yeah, there's three guy, three military guys tied up. They're they're questioning them. You know, uh, when did you attack Lompoc? And uh, or right right before they say that, you know, uh, Ginty John John Eastland is like, you know, with his mustache, he's trying to look as hard as possible and terrified at the same time. Uh, they're not answering any questions and the VC leader takes a machete out, walks over to the uncredited soldier and slices his fucking head off. Uh, and, and not even like all the way <laughs> off. Like no. he, he like it, it it's such a, it's, it's so grotesque. Yeah, it's, it's a it's very really hardcore grotesque. scene because he, he kind of, well, they, <clears throat> they have to cheat it with the special effects. They can't really show him like kind of swing it and do it. So they kind of like do this weird cut where it's like he pulls away from like him having already done it. But yeah. the guy's head like slowly falls off with like his mouth moving and I'm watching it yeah. and it, it doesn't even like fall all the way off. Like it kind of hangs on there by a tendon. So he's like sort of <laughs> yeah. sitting there with his head dangling off. And I was like, it's really it gross. was such an elaborate like prosthetic i, I mean yeah. it, the whole body's fake the whole that whole character is fake like yeah. um because his head you know the head's fake and everything but they had to like rig it so his mouth would move and everything as his head like pulled away from the body i was like damn that was like really thought out and disgusting and awesome at the same time so that scene apparently was cut 
uh, from the original cut. We watched the director's cut. Uh, the, the director's oh, cool. cut is three minutes longer than the original cut. And so that scene was cut out uh, theatrically. And then they obviously put it back in. Stan Winston did some of the special effects on this movie. Uh, I mean, I, that does not surprise me because I, I guess the takeaway that I had was that that graphic head prosthetic yeah. was 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 more impressive than it had any right to be in this yeah. movie. Like <laughs> yeah. right away from the get go, I was like, no, this this movie does not deserve that level of like <laughs> no. quality prosthetic. Yeah. And the sad thing is that it was cut from like the, I mean, it's the, it's honestly, it's the best part of the goddamn movie. I agree. And, uh, or at least it's probably like, the best kill. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was like, Oh crap. Like that was really good. But it, it makes sense. You saying that like Stan Winston, uh, uh worked on that Yeah. Uh, real quick. I just want to say just real quick, George Chung. Uh, I know him from RoboCop two. He yes. was one of yes. the, Gener- like main bad guy goon guys, but you know, didn't talk, but you know, yeah. one of the secondary goon guys. Yeah, no, that I totally remember that guy in that movie now. Um, yeah. And, and another secondary side note, uh, if, if you want to know specifically where this was filmed, if you go on the exterminators, IMDB page and the filming locations, they give you the exact address of where they filmed <laughs> the Vietnam sequence. I'm just saying, if you want to go That's to, wild. you know, yeah, it, it, I'm just, you know, just letting you know if you, uh, if you, if you make your way out to 28700 uh, Henry Mayo Drive in Valencia, California. <laughs> okay. There, there's probably an empty quarry there that they, <laughs> yeah, <dude. laughs> that they shot in. <laughs> totally, totally. So, yeah, so they cut his head off. And then after that, he's uh, the, the VC leader again and questions uh, Ginty, John. I'm just going to call him John from now on. And, uh, and he's like, when did you attack Lompoc? And he's like, July 31st. And suddenly Steve James gets free and he just fucking saves the day. He gets a machine gun out and just starts gutting everybody. And I'm just, I wrote down, he's blasting everybody, including the guy who's on fire for some random reason. (laughs) Yeah. And and when he got free, he like, um, oh shoot. What's it called when you put the wire across someone's neck? Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. He, what's that? What is that called? I, I mean, he, he, he took like razor wire and, and choked the guy or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, but it like it like slices their throat. I think it's called like grot or something like that. Okay. Um. Anyways, it doesn't matter. He it was cool because the guy was like going, oh, you know, like and his oh, throat was like they yeah. literally like made it like slit, and he was like kind of pulling at it. He's pulling um, at it. Yeah, oh, and, and then yeah. yeah, and then he just grabs the grabs the machine gun and just goes buck wild, and they you know squibs and everything, and I'm like, yeah, like I mean, guys, this is like. Like literally only like five minutes into the movie, and I'm <laughs> no, like dude. going, I'm completely engaged, you know, at this point. Yeah, I, I think it. No, you you sent me a text a little bit later into the movie, but you're like, I, I'm loving it so far, and uh, I thought, oh, <laughs> that's a relief. So yeah, yeah, it's it's so it's it's a grotesque scene. You know, people are like, oh, it's so exploitation exploitative. Well, there was some nasty shit that went down in Vietnam that you know people know about, and I'm sure people didn't know about, and I'm sure this is not too far from the truth in some respects um so yeah that shit that that was a brutal scene uh and then you know steve james uh michael saves the day and the the Viet Cong leader is kind of struggling in the water to, to escape he's on his belly and ginty picks up a gun and shoots him in the back and kills him um and it's kind of a weird scene because it's like he it, it, he's so fearful when he does it and i think that kind of sets the stage for him just being like 
uh, really affected by what happened versus Steve James, who's like, let's just get the fuck out of here. Like, I'm this badass tough guy. Um, Helicopter comes in and saves all the the missing in action soldiers. Um, I love the on the front front of the helicopter that swoops down and says death before dishonor. And and it's just really like badass explosions going off in the rocks. You could the the budget (laughs) is insane for the explosions. There's explosions everywhere, and and they they're shooting it in slow motion. And and there's machine guns firing in the helicopter. And there's just and by explosions everywhere, I mean there's explosions everywhere. Like one of the soldiers, like uh, one of the actors' soldiers, trips and falls, gets up one split second before an explosion goes off in the water, like right next to him. I was like. She, it was, it was impressive. The yeah. whole beginning was in was impressive, and just knowing what I know about budgets, knowing what I know about these movies, what they pulled off in that that beginning of that film is was absolutely fucking impressive, and like totally like like it just grabs you, you know, like like totally visceral, totally pulls you in. So much fun to watch right from the get-go. Right from the get-go. And, and I, I'll point out two things about that, that opening sequence. Uh, apparently that, that beheading costs like $25,000 to shoot. Um, and the movie that, had that, a budget. That, I totally see that because, I mean, yeah. <laughs> like I said, that thing was – that was so impressive, you know? I, and, and then you got to be like – you know, they leave it on the cutting room floor. You got to be like, fuck – but yeah, if, if, and if you guys don't see that when you're watching this movie in the first, you know, this whole first action scene, yeah. you ain't watching the right movie and you're missing out on one of the best parts of the movie. Yeah. And, and, and just for, you know, full disclosure, I, I don't think it's available anymore on Blu-ray. I'm sure it'll come back out again, but if you can go on eBay and easily get it for pretty inexpensive amount of money. Uh, and it is on YouTube as well. I don't know if that's the uncut version. If it says 101 minutes, it's not the uncut version. Um, but yeah, so this movie had a budget of $2 million and you feel like you think about, wow, well, 25,000 of that just got flushed down the toilet for the theatrical, but Mm -hmm. you know, at least it's, you know, got restored for this. Um, and then this is the same set that they filmed, um, the helicopter scene in Twilight Zone, the movie in 1983 that, uh, beheaded, uh, you know, three people died in that, uh, when they shot that scene and it ended up, you know, being tossed on the cutting room floor. Um, you know, an, an adult and two kids were killed on that. So when you talk about how that helicopter, like explosions are going off everywhere, there was such a radical, like, uh, disregard of safety back in the day, especially for the, uh, for movies like this. Um, but yeah, huge explosions go off. And then we just like cut to the credits, the opening scene of New York. And there's this like super soft rock seventies ballad playing. Um, and I think the guy, the guy singing like, you know, it's kind of, I, I think it's almost about coming back from war and the, 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 the chorus is like, you know, I got a healing, I got a healing, I got a healing. Just kind of like this weird 70s drama Vietnam song. And I'm like, this is really out of place right now as we're showing the three names that were in this movie. <laughs> and we're showing uh, New York and it's in its heyday, as you like, as we talked about, you know. And we cut from that to the shipyard, the loading docks or whatever they are, like uh, meat packing district. 
right? Yeah, there meat you go. packing district. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and there's dudes, you know, unloading shit. It, it, it's like the scene in Rocky where everybody, you know, where they're like, ah, it's, these are the everyman. It's like doing their thing. And you see Steve James, Michael, looking all happy now with his yellow hard hat on his head. And I'm like, why is he wearing a hard hat? Well, whatever. Uh, and, and, you know, he's doing his job unpacking boxes. And then they cut to what appears to be like the boss of the the, the packing district. And he's like doing books and he's counting out money. And then uh, you see these mafia dudes walk up and Michael, Steve James, sees them walk by. And again, he's wearing his yellow hard hat. And I I even wrote down at that point, I'm like, why is he wearing a hard hat? Do you need a hard hat when you're working in the meatpacking district? (laughs) I uh, I think if you're I think if you're using one of those like because he was using like a not a forklift, but a little bit of like a dolly or something. I I think if you're in the actual like packing area, you have to wear the the hard hats because I'm just saying it because I think I've seen it before in these these type of movies where someone in the meatpacking district is wearing a hard hat. It must be some kind of regulation. Hey, if anyone has any idea, please let us know on the social media channels when you listen. Why? uh, Why you'd have to wear a hard hat? Tony Arlington plant. Do you know this Tony Arlington? Um, Yeah. So so they they cut to the mafia guys taking money from the boss of the, uh, the, the taking money away from the from the the boss basically and so it's alluding to corruption uh, and the mafia is stealing from the you know the every Joe uh, every man kind of guy and I love those two mafia guys I great. loved like. I just I love the way they looked. Uh, I mean, they actually looked kind of tough, but silly at the exact same time. Yeah. But I I like the scene because they open up the briefcase. The guy gives them money. He writes down the, they write down like you know probably who it was you know where that money came from so it can have some kind of record. Yeah. And then they can they're done with their business and they they walk away. The, the, the beginning of this movie has very little dialogue. There's there's not a lot of actual like dialogue going on. Um, yeah. That whole first part is like no dialogue in that action scene besides you know the the Viet Cong like sort of asking them questions there's like no dialogue at the beginning and then this little scene there's no like you know, there's nothing there, and it's it's almost refreshing because a lot of times I think you would uh, a filmmaker would kind of like hammer at home what's happening, whereas yeah. here it's just almost like here it is, and even like the boss guy has a gun on his desk, like you know yeah. they're all cool <laughs> with it. They're all, everyone's like it's a very friendly exchange, oddly. <laughs> yeah, it's of. almost I don't like, know the, why. like status quo. This is this another another day at the office kind of thing. Basically, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're right. There's. That's definitely one of the the flaws of this film. Is scenes go on way too long with like not a whole lot happening at one point. And you're like, when are we gonna get to the thing? And you finally get to the thing, and you're like, okay, but you probably could have shortened that scene by three minutes. So, <laughs> yeah. um, and so yeah, th- th- this is going on, and then uh, cut to two dudes breaking into the storage unit at the, at the truck at the, uh, in the, in the meat packing, packing district. And one of them, not just, uh, not just two goons, uh, uh members of the ghetto ghouls, members, which I thought yes. was an awesome, awesome name, awesome name and awesome logo on their, on their vest. Yes. That and they're wearing an awesome car too. Yes. Oh dude. Yeah. The car is sweet. It's like this souped up, uh, orange charger, kind of like a general Lee, but with flames on it too. It's definitely like, you know, check us out kind of car. And, uh, yeah, yeah they're, they're breaking in, stealing like canned food and all sorts of shit. And, um, one of the dudes is this actor, Irwin keys. 
uh, who yeah. I know from the Warriors. He played a cop in the Warriors. He's the guy that ends up um, knocking James Remar's character Ajax in the stomach, and he, and he looks at him. He's like, "You fucking wimp," or something like that. Uh, but yeah, you might know Erwin Keys from other things too. Rob Zombie I, movies, I, probably. I know him from like yeah, House uh, House of a Thousand Corpses and and stuff. I think I think Rob Zombie's used him multiple times. Yeah. Um, I know he's passed away at this point. Uh, yeah, he's dead as too. Well. <laughs> Yeah, Jesus, this in, this entire cast is, is pretty much gone. Yeah, the only um, one who's But yeah, I, I totally recognize him. I mean, he's so young here. He looks so young. Yeah, Diallo goes, he looks like Shrek. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, he, he's a bit unfortunate looking. He, yeah. He's definitely a <laughs> he's quintessential a goon looking dude. Yeah, yeah, so at this point, John uh, Ginty's character sees the dude stealing, and they put a knife to him, and, and Michael rolls up trying to defuse the situation and then just kicks the fucking shit out of these two punks. Um, and it's hilarious or, or it's, I think it's like three punks. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's, there's hilarious point of view shots going on. It's really awkward. Cause they're like looking right at the camera and they're like, come on, man, come on, man. Like, but they're looking right at you. And I was never a fan of that style. Uh, they, they uh, in science of the lambs, they did it a little bit when, um, Lecter is looking directly at the camera, talking, talking to Clarice Starling. And, um, it just didn't work for me. I don't like that. I feel like it kind of breaks the fourth wall in a weird way. Uh, yeah, it's uncomfortable, but Steve James, it's a hilarious ass kicking scene. He throws a dude into the canned food and like dumps all the cans on top of him, like crushing this guy. And, and then he, you know, he checks, he checks on, uh, on John, he's like, you're right, buddy. You know, you doing okay. And, and then that cuts to the next scene. They're on top of a roof. It's like totally like jarring. It just cuts to this yeah. next scene. And they're like on top of the roof with all these pigeons. Uh, and, 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 you know, Michael's like, you okay, buddy. <laughs> you know, like they're like checking in on each other again. Um, and then from there, you know, Ginty's character, John like flashes back to Vietnam for a second. And it's a kind of cool well, he- moment. Yeah, because he he touches the blood on his on his chin from yes. the from the knife that kind of got put up against it. Yeah, he touches that, and then the flashback that he sees is that guy's head coming off, and you know, right? Like it's it's I think it's the, the head flashback, and I was like, yeah. whoa, that was a bit gruesome, you know, to to get that again. But but I like that. I like that in, insight into his into his mind, and that's when I started thinking, like, just how crazy it is that we had all these people just walking around trying to act like everything was normal after they've seen like people get their fucking heads cut off in front of them like how do you go back to a normal life after that right but i mean yeah. that's why all these movies sort of came about and and to ask that question like how do you go and do all these horrible things and then come back to to america and try to fit back into society you know yeah i, I thought that was a very powerful moment in, in the movie where he kind of had that little flashback yeah i love i love uh, i've always loved that kind of ex exploration in in not in in a dramatic way more of an action sense like a la rambo where you're like how do you function in society now you know when you have all this ptsd and uh but turning it into an action movie you know i mean the the guest kind of did that with in a way you know he's got ptsd so to speak and that's a whole other story but um but yeah michael michael has to go see his kids and he's you know heading out and so he goes and kisses kids and he's on his way out for the day. And that same gang, the, the, the ghouls show up in their ride 
and they jump Michael. And not only do they jump him, but they jump him hardcore. They uh, throw a chain around his neck. And then the main kind of leader of the gang takes um, a, a like, like a gardening, gardening like, like something you're supposed pit. to like, yeah, dig up the dirt with. It's like it's like three trowel. claws, yeah, yeah a trowel or something but with like the three claws that go downward. They go out then down. Yes, um, yeah, he sticks it right into his fucking back, and it doesn't kill him. No, and I'm like, Jesus him. Christ! Now he, he kind of he kind of like starts to grind it into his spine. It's a really gruesome scene, and then. They pull, he's on his stomach and he's got the chain around him and they grind it into his spine and then they pull him back and you hear this crunching sound, like alluding that his spine has been snapped. Uh, yeah. and, he, and he looks dead. He looks dead. I thought he was dead. I, I didn't yeah. know he, the, the, I didn't know that, I didn't know a lot of things that were going to, directions this, this movie was going to go because I thought it was going to be a lot more straightforward than it turns out to actually, you know, be. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought he was going to be dead, but yeah, he's, he's just paralyzed. He's, yeah. And so this is a really interesting moment because maybe, I don't know, we're like 15, 20 minutes into the movie and this all, all this shit goes down. Ginty's character, John, you don't really identify him as the main character yet. Uh, he's kind of, he's, he's just kind of like, he's kind of mouseish, you know? And, 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 and when you do hear him speak, he's kind of mumbling the whole time. Um, which is, I guess the Ginty way, because in a lot of his movies, that's how he was, but they cut to him at the park and he sees Michael's family there and he gives her the bad news. And as he does that, you know, she obviously has a meltdown and it flashes to all these like dilapidated homes and buildings all just gutted. And it actually looks like what Detroit still pretty much looks like in many ways, just, you know, run down city. And uh, and from there, you cut to the hospital bed with Michael, like hooked up to a respirator and an intensive care unit. Um, and then from there, we cut to a gang member tied up and like, it's like instantly, <laughs> it's just like, yeah, instantly. And, yeah. Yeah. And, and this is, I mean, I, you should probably, yeah. So yeah, he's tied up and, and, and Ginty is, is basically interrogating him. But like right away, I was like, okay, I, did I blink? Did I miss something? Yeah, yeah. But no, this, this movie just trims a hundred percent of the fat down to the point where they start trimming into the actual story and yeah. you don't see any of the time in between uh major scenes and i started thinking i started getting flashes of of invasion usa and i remember you saying you yeah. know invasion usa is almost like a bunch of little vignettes yeah. put together by you know uh the common theme of chuck norris and i was like honestly that felt more coherent than this movie did this movie felt much more like a bunch of vignettes like Gindy just appearing magically where he sort of needs to be doing what he needs to do and then yeah. the, that segment's over with and that's what kind of the the structure of this film and I'm talking about it now because I'm starting this is when I started to see it I'm like oh they just they're just gonna go jump 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 to to the next thing they're just gonna just show you and I'm like I I was I think I needed a little bit more but at the same time I was along for the ride at this point you know yeah yeah it's definitely just dis, it's super disjointed because it it doesn't set up even how he found this dude uh, and 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 up until this point you get the sense that John is kind of this meek guy who doesn't who can't really do shit and now suddenly he's got a flame thrower blowtorch uh and he's threatening this gang member tied up that one of the ghetto ghoul gang members to find out where the rest of the gang is that you know 
hurt his buddy like that same day basically yeah and yeah um, yeah it's that's the hard thing like like even when the ghetto ghouls found you know uh his friend i was like okay that was a bit of a logic jump but okay i'll take it maybe yeah. you know they're from the area they know who he is but like yeah they instantly targeted him you didn't see, you don't get any of the buildup that you get in other movies where you see the gang members watching the characters, you see how they sort of like figure out who they are here. You don't see any of that. Maybe it happened, but you don't see it. And that's what makes it jarring. This movie is, is fairly jarring throughout the entire movie. Oh, it's yeah, total. I totally agree. Um, you know, in, in some way, in some cases it makes for it, makes up for it. And then other ways it definitely does not. But I wanted to point out that the gang member in that scene that he has tied up, uh, I've I've never seen that guy clean shaven in my entire life. I've always seen him with facial hair, um, but his name is Dennis Bootsikaris. Bootsikaris, yeah. And I mean, the guy was uh, one of the lead actors in Batteries Not Included, um, which is a fun Steven Spielberg movie. He was in, I remember him from a movie called Dream Team, which is a fun 80s Michael Keaton comedy. Uh, He most recently has been on the show Billions and Better Call Saul. So, um, and he's in The Bourne Legacy. He's He's been all over the place. Yeah, he's always, he's been always working. Um, I, I recognized him too when i when i when i you know when i saw the the movie i was like oh yeah yeah that guy um and yeah i'm with you i've never i've never seen him um without a beard but i probably recognize him you know mostly from batteries not included when i was a kid yeah he almost looks in batteries not included he almost looks uh like what's his nuts from die hard <laughs> bubby i'm your white knight oh, yeah. he almost has like that that beard with the the long dark you know hair yep you know, he almost kind of looks like that guy. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's Hart Bachner, and um, yes. I'm, a- I'm actually interviewing that guy for two dollar late fee. Uh, but that's a whole other story. Uh, <laughs> that's a solid, solid plug there, buddy. <laughs> yeah, you're right. thank you. So, yeah, he he always kind of had this artistic kind of medium longer hair. He could have been like a stunt double for Kenny Loggins back in the day. Um, but but yeah, he he's the gang member that gives up the gang, and then we cut immediately to uh, John finding the gang, the two scumbag or three scumbags partying with these chicks these naked chicks i'm like oh there's a cory scene it's got some boobies. oh man it's- yeah and then and that one chick in there had some nice hooters too <laughs> <laughs> saw him for like a split second i was like oh yeah some nice hooters there. but by the way <laughs> i you know so dustin knew what we were we, i was we were going to review this movie and he said uh you know sleazy sleazy c should have a boobs and bush rating at the end of every episode <laughs> saying i give this three boobs and three bushes <laughs> sadly there's not a lot of bushes in any of the movies that we see no um, and, and there's definitely a grotesque i think life force scene. might be the only one probably so yeah we're, we're getting there though um but yeah. so yeah, yeah. when we, when we re- review a uh, reanimator we'll get there <laughs> right um so yeah john lo- loads up and just you know storms in with his m16 and uh and he's like you know you fucking animals and and he he confronts the main leader and the leader is like sorry about this morning man <laughs> like well, sorry about that you know it wasn't a big deal and uh he i will not utter the entire line but i will say you know he he was just a n-word man and and ginty looks at him and he goes that n-word was my best friend you motherfucker <laughs> such a great 
I like that. I, I like that a lot. I, yeah. I, I did, man. I, I felt the anger. Dude. Me too, it's dude. Like, yeah. It's like, you know, and then when that one guy jumped in the air and he shoots him with the M16, they oh. do a, he literally, he <laughs> literally redirects his momentum in the air. And, and I mean, they had to have done it with cable work or whatever. Yep. Um, but I like, Again, this movie's weird. It takes it, it. It it's like it doesn't give a rat's fucking ass about story. No, but then it it the violence and stuff. It like 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 with the head. I knew that that head cost a lot of money to do, right? The the fake head, and you didn't need to do it. You could have just stabbed the guy or whatever. But that the director wanted that head with the mouth moving and everything. And here, yeah. I mean. That time, the time that it takes to set up that shot, he could have just shot that guy and the guy could have just flown back. But no, they had to have him in the air and then getting his like momentum completely redirected in the air backwards. I'm like, that was fucking rad. Yeah, it was like, rad. That was a cool fucking like little shot, like a little moment. Like, And it goes by quick. If you blink, you kind of miss it. But I was like, that was fucking cool. Like you didn't have to put that level of detail into that of that guy getting shot. Yeah, there, there's there's some really cool setups um, in some of the you know in some of the moments. So, yeah, the, so, some of the sequences, the violent sequences are really fucking violent in this, yeah. um, and and the depravity is is just on point. Uh, I was I was a little frustrated with the fact that they use like that Barbara Walters 2020 lens, like the the glazed over lens in certain scenes. I'm like, why is there Vaseline on the lens right now? Is that supposed to make Robert Ginty look a little more rugged? Uh, who knows? But, um, but or, yeah, or virile, virile and rugged. So, uh, so he, he, yeah, he takes out all the dudes and he pulls the, the leader and into the basement, the cellar, uh, of the, of the apartment complex. It- and the ogre guy, and, and the, the ogre, he pulls yeah, the ogre, both of them. Yeah, they're both they're both tied. He ties up. He ties them up downstairs. Um, and and it's just it's like it's so disgusting. Uh, it 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 looks really realistic to me how filthy it looks down there. And as an actor, I, I would have been like, oh, I don't want to lay down in this shit. I feel like I'm gonna get rabies just laying here. And then. They allude to both guys being dead, but but they, it's not really clear to me if they're both de- dead well, yet. No, no, they they well, they're not dead. I don't think they're dead right there. I think he lets the rats eat them. Yes, because um, you don't really see what happens. Although they show a picture of a rat, and yeah. then you find out. Uh, I think in the next scene, next scene uh, one right. of them was was dead, and the other one had half its face uh, eaten off. And I was like, fuck, like. That's that's pretty crazy, uh, you know. And but then like that, and this is also when I'm coming to the realization. I'm like, well, okay. So this is like we're like 20 minutes in, yeah. And all the antagonists are dead, yeah. Um, and and then I'm like, this movie's okay. I'm like, all right, where's it gonna go <laughs> it next? Gonna go? And and yeah. I gotta say, I mean, spoiler alert. My biggest thing here was there was no antagonist in this movie. That no. was my my biggest problem uh, no. with it. He kind of he moves from one antagonist to another, yeah. and he kind of dispatches them throughout the course of this film to the point of you know spoiler alert a very anticlimactic ending because there's no antagonist. Yeah, um, yeah. That and, and 
and I'm, I'm saying that now because I didn't figure out until later, but this is when the seeds like started being planted. Cause I was like, wait a minute. I like, I thought he was going to leave those guys dead. And then now they were going to come back. Like I thought it was going to be like a back and forth war between him and the, the, the ghetto ghouls, yeah. but ghetto ghouls don't really turn out to be anything to be honest with you. I mean, yeah, they come back later, but doesn't really like there's yeah that, anyways yeah keep keep going forward but i thought that was the that's what i thought was weird about the film to be truthful with you is there's no pinpoint antagonist in the film yeah they i mean because the cops yeah like you said the cops show up in the next scene and, and and they tell they allude to what happened and and then they're like yeah this vigilante did it and we got to get this guy and that's kind of the that's like the setup okay oh now the cops want him because he you can't go above the law to take out these people and um and then it just cuts immediately back to the meatpacking district with no music it's a very odd scene because you're like wait where's the music i feel like there needs to be music right now and um and john's working you know back at work and he sees the mafia uh go in to get their weekly payments or whatever and then you cut immediately to this mob boss with uh with his his woman (laughs) I wrote something else down, but I won't say what it was. Uh, and uh, and and he kicks her out when like this this politician guy walks in, and he has to talk. Uh, he talks about the fact that you know the price of beef is going up, and yeah, and yes. Yeah, so, so this this <laughs> I feel like the cr- the crux of like this movie yeah. is the the price of beef in New York. <laughs> And, like, everything sort of revolves around the price. So, again, we're, like, 15, 20 minutes in, and now we're getting a new character, uh, you know, a new villain. And I'm like, yeah. okay, this is going to be the the main antagonist. Spoiler alert, 10 minutes, he's going to be gone. But, like, I'm like, but they build him up, and, and, and they introduce another character, and it's so weird. This movie yeah. is so weird structurally and yeah. story-wise, yeah. and it, it, it leans very heavily on the whole price of beef going up in new york that's really it's a very important Pork part bellies. of this movie Pork and bellies, i don't friend. get it i'm yeah. like okay sure what? there's a lot of meat there's a lot of meat coming up in this and uh in, in a few minutes but yeah it's weird because I'll, I'll get to it down the road but um you know the whole point of one of the one of the main reasons why ginty starts doing this is not just revenge uh well he he wanted to take revenge on uh, on the dudes that that uh hurt his friend one and then you know he's he's in intensive care and and, and he's going to be paralyzed for the rest of his life uh, and he's probably going to need health care for the rest of his life and special uh, medical care which is going to cost a and lot of money and he's the only provider for for him and his family yes. so so know, now no, they need now money. there's no pro- no one providing any anything yeah and now john's got a taste for the kill and so he's going to go you know over the top and and we'll get to that in a second but um yeah the, the, I, I love how that scene ends where the 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 politician guy says to the mob boss he's like you know it's it's not the old it's not the old days or i think the mob boss might even say that and he's like cosmic dust and star shit and i'm like what well no no he nobody's no so so this is what i loved about the mob boss he's obsessed with comic strips so it starts with him saying something like he's like ah comic strip these days i don't get him and he's like he's like do you don't you remember the good old days with you and he rattled off some bullshit you know some names of comic strips i never heard of and then he's like and buck rogers and he's like he looks at his you know his his girlfriend that's clearly like 30 years younger than him he's like do you remember buck rogers and she just like says no and i was like and the 
reason I latched on to it, because I was like, I've had that conversation so many times with my wife where I'm like, because I'm 10 years older and, you know, I'm I'm the old man in the household. And I'm like, I'm like, ah, back in my day, the movies, this and that. I'm like, don't you remember this movie? And she just looks at me and she's like, no, no. you know, and uh, and so, yeah, I. I love the fact that his character choice, like, I don't know if that was the actor or the writer, but as a character, he's defined by his perplexity. He's perplexed by by modern comic strips. But yeah, yes. so at the end of it, at the end of this conversation, because again, we're introduced to this new character. We're like, yeah. okay, I think he's going to be important. And I actually kind of liked him. And, uh, and he's like, ah, at the end of it, he ends it with like, ah, comic strips these days. It's all just moons and space and zip zaps and zoops, you know. Cosmic distance. Okay. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. But I so, just I liked it because I felt like that was like the character choice that he made and yeah. was like, you know what? We I we I gotta give this this character something. So do you mind um you know saying it to the director, yeah. do you mind if he's just like obsessed with comic strips and how much he hates like modern comic strips? I'm sure the director's like, Yeah, you're gonna be dead in five minutes, who gives a shit? Yeah, okay, sure. Whatever you wanna do. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, but that guy that guy sold it in every scene. I, I oh, liked yeah. him. I thought he was fantastic. Oh, he's great. He's great. And and when he's when he's hanging up in a little bit you know he's got a great moment in that as well but um uh yeah we cut to dalton uh going to a bar to, to talk to his his the bartender ralph to get some info on uh on uh, one of the witnesses that night of the of the of the ghoul shooting and he describes this uh candy she's got green hot pants and a sparkly top and uh and i love that scene because dalton's like you know thanks for the thanks for the tip and as he's walking out the, the bartender's like hey i got these parking tickets can you take care of them for me <laughs> i i love that i thought that was fantastic yeah, dude, that had, was cool by the way he had a stack of parking tickets um <laughs> I but know. i oh, i love that i love the fact that like you know he didn't want like money to kickbacks he was like hey man take take care of these fucking parking tickets yeah. for me i was like that is a perfect fucking trade-off right there. yes i know i'm like fair is fair that's cool that's cool so uh yeah we, we cut to uh uh, a hooker on the street talking to uh, a, a trucker. You, you Hold know. on, we we cut to a hooker standing by a flaming trash can, <laughs> and I was like, I was like, this is fucking exactly what I think 1980s New York looks like. <laughs> like seriously, like uh, two hookers standing under a light, like on a sh- on a deserted, yeah. shitty street with yeah. a flaming fucking trash can, and I'm like, this is fucking 1980s New York this right 19- here. In a all, goddamn all that, nutshell. All that was missing was a doo wop band singing around the fire as well. But uh, <laughs> you know, take me back, do 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 do, take me back. But uh, uh, yeah, the the one hooker is trying to pick up on this trucker, which she does, and she gets in the car and drives off. And then Dalton's scoping across the street what's going on, and and, uh, and the, Dalton's the cop, if I haven't pointed that out already. Uh, um, and he spots Candy. Yeah, and and while you're pointing something out, can I point out that that the hooker that he actually you know goes to talk to, yeah. she has fantastic legs. That actress had <laughs> awesome legs. They were amazing. Fantastic legs. Uh, yeah, I mean, Candy, and it's funny because she's looking pretty good, you know, and, and for for a yeah. 1980s New York hooker. and For, for a 1980s tra- uh, heroin track-lined hooker. Well, yeah, we're about to get to that, right? Because she, she's looking good, and uh, she gets in the car. You know, she, she's, she's like, 
ten dollars, ten dollars for uh, for the typical. Anything special is going to cost twenty five. And Dalton pulls out the handcuffs, and she's like, "Well, that's going to cost you thirty five. And he's like, "You're going to jail." <laughs> I thought that was clever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was great. That was great. And she's like, "You know, this is entrapment, man, or whatever, or something like that." And and he arrests her anyways. And next thing you know, uh, she's in this weird jail cell, this kind of like interrogation jail cell. And and it, and you get the sense that she's. Uh, quite a bit of time has gone by because she looks really haggard at this point. And you, I immediately was like, oh, she's coming down from some sort of high. That's why she looks so shitty because she doesn't look as good as she did when he first picked her up. And um, he's like, I want the I want the person who killed the ghouls. And uh, and she's like, and she's not giving anything up. And and then he finds the heroin. Uh, he ripped open her purse and he finds her like heroin rubber band and rips open her arm or her shirt on her arm and, and sees the track marks uh, from the heroin. And, you know, she talks at that point. She gives in. <laughs> it's like, that's pretty much it. Of course. And I, I got to say, yeah, that scene, like the only takeaway is that she, you know, gives up that information. But the actress, I yeah. think, did a spectacular job in that scene. Like being that crazy you know uh, a strung out hooker kind of like vibe with the way she's just like constantly talking and like asking questions and fidgeting honestly yeah. she, she fucking was she did a great fucking job seriously oh yeah no she's good I, I feel like um every actor in this film did a solid job you know with what they got and yeah it, except you know, for genji yeah for, for for genji uh speaking of which we we cut to him in the hospital uh, with Michael, yeah. Michael in the bed and the wife. And, uh, you know, he, he tells Michael that he found the guy, the dudes and don't worry about it. I, I you know, I got a way to get your money. I got a way to take care of things and, you know, just hold on. And, um, you know, it's, it's a nice setup. It explains it, 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 in a short way, it explains what's going to happen next. And from that point, we're back with the mafia mafia boss and he's, showing off his new attack dog that he got, Scotty. And uh <laughs> I love I love Dobermans, man. It's it's like it's such a staple of the eighties. Yeah. And I, I feel like, you know, everything from like fucking Fletch to oh, you know to this movie, like Dobermans were such like an eighties dog. Yeah. But they got such a bad rap because and it's not because they're vicious, it's because no. they're so easily trained and, and, and they're they're territorial. And, you know, you can obviously you don't have to train a Doberman to be like attack or anything like that, but they're very loyal and they're they're very smart dogs. That's oh. why you can train them so well. But unfortunately I, I feel like in the eighties we kind of abused them and turned them all into like attack dogs, and now you don't even like really see Dobermans anymore. But I actually have always wanted to own a Doberman. I think they're beautiful dogs. Yeah, they were like the pitbull of the eighties, which the uh, I guess the you know the the pitbull was big in the nineties, and then not really they don't really look at dogs as protagonist or antagonists anymore, which is which is a good thing. Like yeah, that, that that's cool. Um, now it's just like a werewolf or something, but, uh, <laughs> I love how, I love the mob boss is like, you know, he says to his girl, he's like, I'm going to take you to the best steakhouse in town or whatever. And they go to the old homestead, which I said to Diallo, I'm like, I guarantee you that place is still there. That, that, that place has got to be still there in New York, the old homestead. Well, on the signage, it said the first steakhouse in New York. So yeah, dude. I, I hope so. <laughs> I, it, That'd be amazing. I'm I'm at some point I'm going to New York. I told Tony Timpone that I will go out there and visit him. And because uh, he's like, yeah, you know, 
I'll show you guys. I'll take you guys all around, and it's gonna be a great time. You know. God, I still I still need to talk to him about hardware, buddy. Oh, I dude. gotta I gotta talk to Tony. I oh, I I love that, that you that you that you spearhead um these these interviews and and you mentioned it earlier but you you didn't give yourself enough credit um the all guys everybody uh uh the 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 interviews are all Zach he handles all of that shit he he contacts the people he sets everything up i literally do nothing he Zach <laughs> even edits the 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 things i show up occasionally on the phone and that's it so um if you guys are enjoying those interviews on patreon that's that's all Zach we wouldn't have them if it was left up to me because oh, i thanks, just dude. do not have the the time or the ability to to do it um and or just i couldn't do what you do dude like like you do a, span, a fantastic job and i just i want to put that out there because i don't think you get a, enough credit for that so thank I appreciate you so much that. for that my friend well yeah dude i mean i'm and i'm working on some good ones for uh for for the next couple of months i'm, I'm, I'm working on it working on it but uh but yeah no i mean tony and i like i said before he's he's a good guy and and, and we go way back and uh and just thinking about the good old days in new york like this in this movie i'm like the good old days not really so much but uh i love this they, they they're at the the, the old homestead and the mafia guy, he he says this line. I'm going to butcher it right now, but he's like, before I start a new meal, I better get rid of the one I had last night. Oh, <laughs> and he he sells it, man. He is so pleased with his little line. He's like, I got to hey, take a yeah. shit. Oh, yeah. It's like classic dice. Boom, you know, and uh so he's with his security guard who's watching the bathroom who checks the bathroom first of all and make sure it's clear it's just such a shitty dive bathroom and I, uh, I wrote that down I go for such a nice restaurant it's such a shitty bathroom yeah, dude, it's so terrible uh I mean they, they probably shot that shit in a warehouse somewhere and just used the, the warehouse it looks like a warehouse bathroom is what it looks like I, it it really does, but they yeah. I, I, they needed a, they needed it to be specific because it had yes. to have a window, it yes. had to have like one stall, yes. and then it had to have a trash can <laughs> for a very specific reason. Yes, and and so while the boss is taking a shit and the security guards outside, his security's outside. Uh, John comes out of the fucking garbage can, which is Jello's <laughs> like Jello goes. How long do they have to wait in that thing? <laughs> I know, I know. And dude, I my my note is uh I go, I know it's smart that he hid in the trash can, but it looks silly as hell. Like yeah. like I know that like on paper it's it totally logical, makes total sense, yeah. totally get it. Um, but on film, him rising out of the trash can, I was like, no, no. And I was like, I was like, what if, then I started thinking like, what if the security guy like actually had to throw something away and like, like looked in the trash can and saw like John's eyes, like staring back at him. I would scream. And that guy was clearly like an ex football player. But I, I want to see a different cut of this film where that guy opens the trash can, sees John. John sees Gindy staring back at him. And I want to see him scream like a girl and just run away. Because yeah. you don't expect that. You don't expect that at all. No, it's hilarious. That, that would be classic. I would love that. I would love that. But uh, sadly, that doesn't happen, unfortunately. And um, and so John has a needle in his hand uh, for, for some odd reason. Uh, like how he was able to get some neutralizing uh, serum. And uh, he, he, he kind of tucks himself in the corner of the bathroom while... Mafia boss comes out and uh, washes his hands and sneaks up behind him 
and he neutralizes him with the needle, and he's out instantly. Uh, Gia- Diallo yeah, again, in- instantly. Yeah, Diallo's like, oh, I didn't know. Uh, I didn't know those drugs could take effect so quickly. <laughs> like, like I mean, like to the point where like he probably wasn't even done like plunging the needle, yes. and that dude was like out like a light, like instantaneously. Yes. Yeah. It was. Yeah. Out. And then the the scene should have just ended there. Uh, but they have to show <laughs> they have to show John really awkwardly trying to pick the guy up and shoving him out the window. And it's such a uh, it's again, it's a it's a slow, long scene that they should have trimmed 30 seconds off of because it, it just would have made it feel tighter. But whatever they didn't, because uh, from there you cut to the boss being chained up under uh, above a meat grinder. Yeah, a, a fucking yeah. meat grinder. And, Goddamn meat grinder. Yep, and 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 John is plugging it in, and uh, and he says to the mob boss specifically, he's like, "My friend needs the money you take out of his pockets. All, you've been taken out of his pockets all these years." And um, and so the the guy's like, "Yeah, sure, you know, whatever you want, whatever you want." And and he gives him the his address, twenty six Ocean Road, uh, Inglewood, or. Inglewood? Yeah, I think it was. Or, yeah, it's Inglewood something Jersey, but Jersey, it, was, it, was, yeah. it was Jersey then. And I'm like, oh, we got the address to the house. Let's let's go. Um, and he wants the safe money, money from the safe, because that's all it was, the, all the rage back in the days. Your real money was kept in a safe, you know? And, uh, of course. And 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 he's like, you know, tell me who's going to be there. And he's, he's like, oh, those two fucking bums, two bums and that fucking whore. You know, they're not good. They, they got out of here. And Diallo's like, how does he know that? He said, yeah, because the guy said like, ah, oh, because they, they left me or whatever. Um, How did he know that they ran away? Because yeah, he just he got knocked out. And, and yeah, I know. But yeah, it's just a way of saying that like, no one's going to be there. No one's going to be there. And he's like, he's like, and so nothing else is going to be there. Yeah, and then the, anything the else like, I should know yeah, about? Yeah. No, no, nothing at all. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's like, I swear nothing. I, I swear nothing. Right. And, and that then, guy put a little bit too much faith in his dog. Yeah, and I'm as soon as he said that, I'm like, oh wait, he didn't mention the dog, but uh, oh, I don't think the dog's going to stand a chance against the gint. And um, and you know, John gets and cuts directly to the house. He's getting in the house. Yeah, and yeah, he, again, just just jumps right to it. No, like yeah, like there, there's too much scene in the bathroom with him mm-hmm. taking the guy out the window where you don't show us anything else. I could have been okay assuming that like once he knocked him out and then all of a sudden you know we we do the next scene of of you know the guy hanging i, I would have just assumed that he got him out of there somehow you know or he could yeah. have just looked over at the window and opened it and then not shown him you know but yeah it's this movie's so weird with its like jumps and its cuts and and what it chooses to show and yeah. what it chooses to kind of like leave out and it's you know all right, he, here's my takeaway, and I, I got to talk about it now because it, it's happened so many times. Um, medical advancements a lot of times happen when something, like when a person is born without something, yeah. then we can say, oh, okay, that's what that thing did because now that the person doesn't have it, uh, or, or there's like an accident and the person loses like part of their brain, like Phineas Gage, right? The, the whole reason we know about brains is because, uh, or like the frontal lobe and everything is because he lost it. So I feel like film students need to watch this movie 
to see what happens when you take out some of the stuff that's necessary (laughs) to kind of like tell a story. And like you think to yourself, okay, maybe I don't need this. Maybe I don't need that. But then you like show them this movie and be like, but this is what happens when you take (laughs) out all of those scenes of someone driving somewhere. You know, like you're always thinking to yourself, do you really need that shot of the character driving in their car from point A to point B, even if it's only like a minute? And then you watch this movie and you realize – Yes. Yes, you do need those. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, cuz 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 it does. It literally cuts to the mob boss's house, him breaking in and walking around and he hits the hits the dog dish and as soon as he hits the dog <laughs> dish, the dog just jumps in and mauls the shit out of him and and and, and, and in the scuffle, uh he knocks a electric knife on the ground. And John is able to grab the knife and they don't show it on screen, thankfully, but he, you know, kills the dog with the with the electric knife. And I love how he gets up and he he's not wearing gloves, mind you. I, I, yeah, I know. That's and, a note. I wrote that yeah. note. I go, I go, maybe he should be wearing some fucking gloves. Because what he what he ends up doing is he wipes off the prints on the electric knife, but he's not wearing gloves. So. One might deduce, I'm not Sherlock Holmes and and I don't claim to be, uh, but one might deduce that wiping the prints off of a knife is not going to necessarily take away the prints from the window, uh, the faucet, everything else you touched, (laughs) everything, the dog, whatever. The safe? Yeah, the safe you're about to break into, I'm assuming. But whatever, we didn't have time for that. Which we don't see. (laughs) We we, we didn't have time for that. We we did have time for a long scene of him, uh, you know, shoving the mob boss out the bathroom door. Uh, or, but we did not a window, but we did not have time to show what else happened in the house. Uh, but that's neither here nor there because right back at that, quite possibly the shortest scene in the movie, <laughs> mob boss lied. I mean, and, and this is ex- this is a prime example of what I'm just fucking talking about. Like, literally, he goes, cleans his hands, like, from killing that dog, yeah. and then, boom, f- like, cut, and he's walking back into to where the mob boss is, like, fucking hanging. Yeah. And I'm like, did he get the money? Like, you don't see any <laughs> of the important shit. Like, I'm, nothing. Yeah. It's just all of a sudden, he's back, I'm back, and you're dead. Yeah, he. Uh, you have to assume that he did all that stuff, I guess. So, yeah, because he walks, he walks right in, and the guy's... Still hanging from the chain. Hey, hey, you got to let me down now, right? You got to let me down now. Hey, well, what are you doing? What are you doing? He just walks up to the meat grinder, pushes the start button on the meat grinder, and walks away. <laughs> and you see the guy go down in the meat grinder and quite possibly one of the shittiest, like, cuts to, like, meat coming out of the meat grinder. It's I'm like, okay, whatever. It's all good. You know, he clearly grinded up the mob boss. They're screaming. I, I I thought it was effective. Yeah, me too. Um, me too. I, I know it. that it was it was it was it was easy. That was an easy yeah, shot. Yeah. But the the guy screaming um, that you don't you know you don't you don't see it. The fact that you don't see it, your imagination runs wild. I like I that. I think they actually. I think it, I think it worked well. I think it worked well. I just thought it was funny that like literally you don't even see the reason <laughs> that he goes to the house. You don't even yeah. see the payoff of yeah. him getting yeah. the money. He just like it's almost as if it was like next door. Like he he walked next door, got punched <laughs> in the face, walked right back out 
and then killed this guy, right? Like, yeah. it was just like, you, you don't see any of the time, like, in the car with him stewing or, like, you know, bandaging up his hands or whatever the dog attacked. He just yeah. walks right back in and kills him. It's it's mildly funny, but, <laughs> yeah. uh, but as someone who went to film school, I'm like, there's so many missing pieces to this movie, and yeah. yet it's still, like, an hour and 40 minutes or something. Yeah. No, it's still a long movie because there's, there's other scenes that go on way too long um but we'll, we'll get to those we're, <laughs> we're almost there folks and uh yeah from there we cut to the doc uh dalton at the hospital and i'm assuming he's checking out uh at, at first i was like oh is that is that the ghoul that got half his face eaten off that's wrapped up on the table uh yeah then- yeah, right. And, and yeah, it was. It was yeah, it was one of the one of the goal. And you don't know which one it is that survived. It could have yeah. been uh the big ogre-looking dude. It could have been the other one. You don't know. But yeah, that, that was the one of the ghouls. Yeah, and and the doctor is like, "Oh, you know, who who did you come to see?" And he's like, "Oh, I came to see you." It's Matt. so you're introduced to Maggie the doctor. And uh and and he's like, "Hey, you 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 want a picnic?" <laughs> and she's like, "Really?" And the next thing you know, it cuts to them having a picnic. At what appears to be like midnight in Central Park on a really yeah. windy evening, and I'm going, yeah. that's a really odd choice uh, to have a picnic at like two in the morning in Central Park. Um, sure, okay, sure, <laughs> sure, sure, sure. I, I, sure. I got nothing to add to that other <laughs> than sure. Hey there, guys and gals. It's your old pal Corey here. Just wanted to take a quick second and give a huge thank you to all of our patrons that support the show every month over at patreon.com slash podcasting after dark. We really appreciate all the love and support you guys give us, and the show would definitely not be happening if it wasn't for you guys. So thank you, thank you, thank you for that. And if you have not checked out our Patreon page, Feel free to swing on by and see what we have to offer. Every month, our subscribers get access to two exclusive shows. Wrap Up After Dark is a freeform discussion show that Zach and I have, and uh, it's a lot of fun. We we really enjoy doing it and kind of just seeing where the conversation goes. And the other show is Interviews After Dark, where we interview a celebrity from usually from one of the movies that we've already reviewed. So far, we've talked to Tom Matthews from Return of the Living Dead and Friday the 13th. We've talked to Diane Franklin from Terror Vision and Better Off Dead. We've talked to Stephen Jeffries, and uh, he was Evil Ed in Fright Night. And, of course, we talked to Tony Timpone, who was the longtime editor for Fangoria magazine in the 90s and the early 2000s. So, classic Fangoria, and he has some awesome, awesome stories. And we also have uh, an interview with Zach Ward that will be coming out this month. And you know him as Scott Farkas from A Christmas Story. And he was also in the second Resident Evil movie as well as the show Titus. So I hope you guys enjoy that interview as well. And Patreon members also get early access to regular shows. We usually drop them on Patreon a day or two before they are released on the free feeds like Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And you also get ad-free versions of the shows, so you won't hear this ad. You know, me rambling on. And you won't hear the next ad about Casper mattresses. So (laughs) there's that. 
So I hope you guys enjoy the show, and thank you so much for supporting us. We love you guys so, so much. And before I go, I wanted to let you know that we have a hotmail line that you can call in and leave a voice message. It's uh, The voice message is only about three minutes long, but if you want to go longer, just call back, and we will piece the MP3s together as one you know long call. So don't worry about that. Call in as many times as you like. And you can find the phone number on the show notes for this episode and every other episode. And feel free to give us a call. We'll talk about the movies that we talked about and uh, talk about what maybe what you want to see. Anything that's, you know, podcast after dark adjacent. So let us know what y'all think and we look forward to hearing your voicemails. Man, you know what's worse than being stuck in a Viet Cong prison camp? <laughs> you guessed it, not having a Casper mattress. Okay, I was just trying to figure out a way to tie it, tie it into the exterminator, but that might be a bit of a, a, a jump right there, considering the Casper mattresses were not around back in the late 70s, early 80s. But if they were, you better believe that Ginty would be sleeping on one right now. Rest in peace. And... We hope that if you guys are interested in Casper mattresses and you actually uh, would like to get one, feel free to click on the link in our episode notes and you will get 10% off your first purchase and we will get a little kickback. It's a nice little way of uh, supporting the show if you were already going to buy a Casper mattress to begin with. And just to let you all know, I have a Casper mattress. This is no bullshit whatsoever. I have one. My wife and I have been sleeping on it for a couple of years now, and we absolutely love it. I used uh, the I used a promo code from another podcast. I think it was probably the last podcast on the left or something to get uh, to get my Casper mattress. So this is kind of a way of hopefully uh, one of you guys will pay it forward and just know that we get a little kickback. For the show it's uh, in, in the form of an amazon gift card so it's it's nothing huge but we appreciate it it's just a little way you guys can support the show if you know if you were interested in buying a casper mattress anyways i highly recommend it not that's not bullshit it's true i really actually recommend a casper mattress but i don't want to force anybody to buy anything so i'm just saying if you're going to buy one anyways why not uh click on our link and you'll get 10 percent off and you'll support the show and you'll get a good night's sleep. And there you go. What what more do you want? You help you help us out and you help your back out. And you get your Z's. You get all your winks in. Which, you know, the exterminator probably needed those as well. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Anyways, hope you guys enjoy the show. And back to the exterminator. And then we cut from there. We cut to... Uh, again, like so, the, now the so the the ghoul protagonists or uh, antagonists are dead. The mob boss is taken care of. Like, who's the next antagonist? And you you find this dude walking down Forty Second Street past all these sleazy sex shops, and he's picking up chicks. And he finds this chick, and he takes her back to the chicken place. I called it chicken place because I'm like I don't know what the it's like this domin, dominatrix. Uh, sex sex store or sex shop or yeah. whatever. And uh this this sleazy motherfucker uh brings a chick in and she's like, Oh, I don't I don't want to be here. She she's like, I don't want this this uh chicken hawk shit and you realize like 
it's like some weird perverted um, pedophile pad. <laughs> yeah, because they're they're but they're, they're about having sex with like boys. They they the the place is there, you know, as like this secret spot for I guess rich people to have like sex with like young young boys. We're talking like yeah, they're you know nine, ten, whatever. They're they're young, but like she was there like because the client wanted. A girl to fuck him in the ass while he was having sex with the boy or, or yeah. whatever, but yeah, she didn't want anything to do with it. But yeah, this is this is, and again, I'm like, we're about we're like more than halfway through the movie, yeah. and I'm just like, what is happening? <laughs> Who is this now? Like, like, but yeah, and, and but I'm like intrigued because so far I'm having fun, but I do realize that now I'm starting to get disconnected because there's no antagonist, and usually like in these type of movies, you would say the cop is the antagonist, but. He really doesn't get on his case until the very end. So no. I never I never really got this the 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 cop being the antagonist if that's who you want to say is. You know, yeah. I, I didn't that he's that not, didn't track he, for me. And he's not the antagonist, I don't think either. Uh I mean, the CIA is, I guess, but we'll get to that um in in a, in a minute, but I I feel like this reminds me, and I'm just thinking, it just popped in my head right now. This reminds me a little bit of like Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, where you're following a day in the life of this dude. And just the, and, and so I'm giving him more credit than it's, than it, than it deserves. Um, and it's, it's not a hardware give because, you know, that had more thought to it, but I'm giving a little bit of credit that, that it, maybe it's this idea of this guy kind of downward spiraling from his, you know, the PTSD of Vietnam. And it doesn't right. really matter who he interacts with. It's what, it's what he's starting to become, right? He's starting to become Right, but this... you, but you never see that on his face. Like, no, because he never goes from <laughs> that. Yeah, I know. And that's the problem. He's like, yeah. he never goes from like. You know, like, I don't know. I mean, hell, he almost looked tougher with his mustache at the beginning uh, of the movie than he does now. And, yeah, I think that's the the problem. Like, you're you're expecting, like, a Punisher sort of scenario, but he's not hardened like the Punisher is. No, and and, and again, I think it's the pacing that that it suffers from, but also the fact that his his face doesn't tell the story uh, as effectively as it could, right? Um, Yeah. You know, but, but back to this, Back to this pedophile pad. There's this scumbag looking dude who looks straight out of, um, the, uh, what's that movie with the? With, uh, I wrote set, Danny DeVito looking motherfucker. Yeah, that's he, what I wrote. He looked like Danny DeVito, but he also reminded me a little bit of this weird German guy from the Human Centipede. Oh, oh yeah, uh, yeah, the Human Centipede guy. Yeah, yeah. I know you're talking about the weird bug eyes. Weird bug eye looking, gross guy with a towel around his waist or whatever, and um, and the chick is freaking out, and they throw her down on this bed. And this is where it gets really weird. Uh, and 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 they take out like Vaseline and they take a soldering iron and they cut to them like burning her and the and the, and you hear a scream, you know. And uh, and it just cuts to the next scene and you're like, oh shit, what the hell? <laughs> okay, these are the guys. We hope these guys die. Uh, and and trust me, they will. Um, and then we cut back to Dalton with now the doctor Maggie and they're on a rock and, and like graffiti rock in central park talking and i'm like 
Okay, that was a scene. Next. So now we cut to uh, the Channel 7 News with one of the best names uh, for a news broadcaster I've ever seen. Um, this is Roger Grimsby. And I just let, I think apparently he's a real news guy. Yeah, he's a real, he's a real guy because it says in IMDb, Roger Gimsby or whatever, playing himself. So that's really him. (laughs) So they like got these real people from Channel 7 along with like another reporter as well. And um, apparently, uh, yeah, John sent a letter in to Channel 7 News to be read about how he's going to clean up the, the city at this point and you're like oh okay yeah and it's like yeah, Neither here it's, nor there. It, it just reads like there's a, so much reading of the fact that he's like on this mission but yeah. then when you cut back to them uh, cut back to him he always just sort of stumbles into these scenarios yeah like, i don't know man like i i i want to to see him as the punisher like but then he's well you get it later where he's doing the thing with the bullets but up until that point like right now I don't feel like I'm buying that he's like this badass vigilante that has like it's like so far it's been more like like uh, by design or like like opportunities yeah and yet he seems to be trying to take it to the next level but I don't see his character in that light yet but yeah. this scene with him like walking through Times Square or whatever uh, this is when I wrote down like these are some amazing shots of, of 1980 New York uh, especially some of the, the the shots from the air uh, you know from the from you know whatever top of a skyscraper looking yeah. down or whatever but some just amazing time capsule you know shots of of New York and I'm just like wow like that this is impressive right here for yeah. such a you know small Small, small budget movie the, the the cinematography in the city is pretty pretty amazing oh yeah there, there's a scene later on in the movie that diallo remarked he's like this is shot really well um but yeah. but uh but yeah yeah it, it, it's it's like this you don't it's very misplaced everything you feel like there could have been better setups to everything because even when he's wandering the streets of 42nd street you get the sense that he's kind of losing his mind a little bit, uh, and and he's getting harassed by everybody. And Diallo, Diallo's like, "Why is he the only guy in the street that's getting harassed by by people right now?" <laughs> you know, there's there's tons of people in the street, but but John is the only one who's having people come up and they're like, "Hey, you want some pussy, man? You want to get laid, man? You want well, some?" You know? Well, because. Because he looks like a fucking easy mark with that yeah. fucking putty face of his. <laughs> and by face. the way, the cinematographer was also the cinematographer for uh, Frankenhooker oh, and uh, nice. Basket Case 2. Well, both and John Glickenhaus movies, I think. Yes, of course. And, of course, uh, uh, Exterminator 2. Uh, so, of course. I, I, yeah, I, we may have to watch Exterminator 2 at some point. Yeah, I, maybe not for this show, but maybe together for, to do it. Yeah, for sure. So uh, <laughs> for, for funsies, just for funsies, and uh, yeah. So he he he, you know, he finds this chick. Or this chick is like hidden on him, and he and he doesn't. She's she wants you know she wants him to be his John, and he finally accepts it. He's kind of pushing her off at first, and he accepts it. And then they they wind up at this whorehouse, and the manager at the whorehouse. I'm like, I know who that guy is. Uh, and that guy, that actor, his name is Tom Everett. Uh, and he's like the scumbag manager of the whorehouse, right? Uh, you know, behind the, the, the plexiglass and he's like sheets, yeah. sheets for five bucks or something new. She- if you want new sheets, it's five bucks. And he's kind of given them the rundown of how much everything costs. Uh, and, and just kind of a juicy scummy role. But if you look him up, this dude 
is I I recognize him from one of my favorite movies of all time, Best of the Best. Uh, but he mm. was in a great horror film called Prison, directed by Rennie Harlan, which starred. Um, uh, oh shit! I'm blanking uh, right now. Uh, Highlander is that the one with Highlander? No, it's it's uh, Vigo Mortensen. Sorry, it's Vigo Mortensen. Oh, oh okay. Uh, it's a, uh, what am I thinking of? I'm thinking of uh, with uh, Christopher Lambert. Uh, was it Future Prison? Oh, or, or yeah. Fortress. 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 I'm Fortress. thinking of Fortress. Yeah, that, yeah. I, I like that movie. Directed by Brian Musna, I think. Um, I think. I think it was directed by Brian Musna. Anyways, um, yeah, Prison. Oh, Prison's great. If you haven't seen it, you should definitely a must buy i i did not recognize this this guy this actor but i loved what he did in this scene yes. i thought he was absolutely amazing yes. he he chewed up uh this the the scene so well when he says you want the sheets and yes. i i just i love the way he delivered that line yeah, he's i so just, great it, he was great. Like literally the minute and a half that he was on the screen, yeah. I was like, that guy was fun to watch. I loved everything about that guy. Yeah. So, so already now that guy and then the ghoul earlier that I pointed out who was in, um, uh, from, you know, a bunch of other movies like yeah. batteries not included. You've got these two yeah. very minor characters and that guy actually comes back in a little bit. Um, but you've got these two super minor characters, uh, somewhat, but they're, they, they do so well. Like, they're such good actors, right? There are some really yeah. good actors. There's so actors much fun. Yeah, there's so much fun. Even, like, uh, even like Dalton, who's, who's very nondescript. He just has that kind of typical 70s white guy look to him. He's got some fun moments in this movie as well towards the end. Uh, but we'll get to that. But, yeah, uh, the, he, gets the, he gets the sheets for five bucks, and uh, they go up to the room. And I love, like... There's there's a sign, handwritten sign that says uh, no spitting uh, on the floor, and they go into the room. They close the door, and she takes her top off, and like her t- her 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 chest is just like decimated. And I thought, Mangled. oh, this is just a, just a boner killer for Corey right now because she's she's just she. I real at, at, at first I'm like didn't recognize her, but then I realized she was the chick who was in the pedophile pad who got burned with a soldering yeah. iron, and they burned the hell out of her out of her chest. And it's such a horrible moment, and it's a moment like, okay, this is where I want Ginty to just be the badass vigilante because he's like what happened yeah. to you you know and and he yeah. has some moment he's got some emotion there a little bit just a little bit it's not it's not the best it's not what you ultimately would want but it's enough you know uh, yeah it it does what it needs to do and yeah. yeah i'm with you this was like sort of the first well it was when he killed when he got the guys at the very beginning like the, yeah. the ghetto ghouls yeah um and then and then uh uh you know like you said you see her and you're like okay now you want genti to get like unleashed yes and 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 that's and that's the problem with these little these little side quests. This whole movie is like a video game. It's like if all you did <laughs> yeah. was the side quests and none of the main story. Yeah. And you don't feel any connection too much to things. And, you know, yeah, you get excited about him getting his revenge against uh, the pedophile ring. But, you know, spoiler alert, that'll come and go. And then yeah. the movie's not over. Like, there's still more. And you're like, oh. Okay. Yeah. Like it's it's a roller coaster of caring than not caring, caring than yeah. not caring. Yeah. The, and yeah, in this next scene, I felt like it went on way too long. Uh, I wrote down, oh, if this was a YouTube video, this would be like how to make bullets because it is the next scene is him putting his bullets 
together, uh, hollowing out bullets, putting mercury in the mercury tipped poison bullets, which it's a really cool scene on one hand. Cause it's like, he's, he's loading up and, and he's kind of getting ready to attack. You know, he opens up his, his, uh, foot locker, uh, which specifically it looks like I like, you know, he got in the military cause that comes into play with another character later on. Um, but he's got his weapons in there and he's fully loaded and, um, he's ready to party. And, it, but I just feel like the scene went on way too long. Um, but nevertheless, it was somewhat of a cool scene, right? I, yes, I agree. And it was neat that he was putting like mercury in the bullets, but none of that came to play later. No, well, and yeah. my, and again, especially with the mercury, I guess I should say. Um, and then again, my note was, uh, I think he should be wearing gloves when he's handling mercury <laughs> like that. Yeah, I think, oh, I think he used it because he put those bullets in his, um, in his 357 Magnum and, yeah. he, and he used that Magnum on the car of the ghoul car that he shoots out later uh, on, when he's on his motorcycle. That's, right. But what is, but what does the mercury have to do with that? I think it's like, a, that it, doesn't make your bullets like, like crazier. Like the mercury is there and you hollow it out and you put the mercury there so that if you shoot a person in the arm and they don't die from it, they're going to die eventually from the mercury poisoning. Like that's why you put it in there. Yeah, but I, yeah. none of that, that didn't come into play at all. He just used like a normal gun. So meaning like, like you could have just had him load his gun. Like, no, and that I, was it. I, like, yeah, totally. I, I feel like, I feel like what they should have done, they meant to, they meant to use nitrous, nitrous, nitroglycerin <laughs> because, uh, to have the effect of blowing something up. Right. But they didn't, they used mercury, which, which, you know, yeah, you're right. Didn't come into play <laughs> in the sense that it, yeah, it didn't go in someone's arm and they died from it, but we'll get to that in a minute. But yeah, we're back at the, the pedophile pad and, John knocks on the door to get in and, and the, and the, and the, the guy's like, you know, what, what do you got? And he's like, Oh, I got, I got two boys, one six and one nine. And, and the guy's like, Oh yeah, come on in. Well, where, where are they? And that's when he's like, uh, you know, you're, that's when John looks at him and he goes, you're a sick motherfucker. You know that? And then the guy goes, Hey, I'm just taking care of business, man. <laughs> <laughs> I like grandpa. Yeah. Taking care like, of business. Grandpa. So he, he put, he, beats the shit out of the guy, ties him up and just sets the fucker on fire. Just sets him on fire and cold blooded, cold blooded. And as this is happening, the pedophile bug eyed Danny DeVito looking dude, who's still dressed the same way, just basically just wearing like his boxer shorts, uh, comes out from a room in the back and just goes back in the room and closes the door. And, and it's great because the guy's screaming and there's smoke everywhere. And it's just, it, for me, I was, it, it could have been, I feel like they're, it's pretty good of a payoff. Uh, this, this movie's like, could have been, should have been throughout the whole thing. Uh, and that's definitely a scene where you're like, you could have done something more with that, but you didn't. So, well, thanks for doing that. <laughs> thanks for thinking of me. And so, uh, he goes off to he after he disposes of scumbag number one. He goes into scumbag number two's, kicks the door open, and the guy's in there, and he shoots him in the dick, and which is great, blasts him in the balls. And as he's doing that, this guy is on the bed screaming, and like, and it's and he's hogtied this like young kid, uh, and he unties the kid, and he tells him everything's gonna be all right. And then it, uh, well, it, 
the the kids like the kids like screaming. The kids like terrified. Yeah, terrified. I thought I thought the the actor did a fantastic job. Again, another insane performance like a very very good performance you know from this throwaway nothing character i mean not nothing he's important to the to the story yeah but this kid that's you know tied up you know totally selling it like i totally believe that you know he was you know gonna get raped or had been raped or you know whatever but uh, that actor did a great job selling it yeah he did and 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 then again, this like continuity and disjointedness, you cut to the sicko number two, who you were about to find out in a moment is a state senator from New York, um, which I'm like, oh, I've never seen a senator that looks like that, but whatever. Um, he's got a he's got a soldering hole in his like he's got a hole in his ass. Uh, like his bloody asshole. So uh, the Gint. Well, that's where that's where the bullet exited. Oh, is that what happened? I thought yeah, they... so he didn't he didn't shoot him in the dick. He shot him like in the the pelvis area, and oh. it kind of blasted out the back of like where sort of his kidney is. That oh, that was it. the exit the exit wound of the of the gun. And I and and I say that because one of my notes is the director did a great job of showing the impact of every gunshot. Yeah. Um, even later with the car, like he shoots the guy, but the window behind him blows out. Like yeah. and we talked about that in, I think in invasion USA, I really like directors that pay attention to where the bullet hits. Even if, even if the, the character, you know, the main uh, uh, protagonist is not getting hit by the bullets. I still like to see the wall behind them getting shot. I like to, see the damage that the bullets do so i kind of track that so the director did actually does a good job in this in this movie of showing the impact of the of the weapon so that was yeah yeah, that was the exit wound on the uh on the guy's uh, kidney or where he where he got shot essentially gotcha okay okay that makes sense i i i uh yeah I, i was a little confused by what what exactly happened and i didn't pause it to like look at his asshole it, it happens <laughs> it happens quickly yeah i know right it it, it does it, and i will give you yeah it, it does happen very quickly and if you have to take notes while you're you know uh, you, even if you look down for a split second you'll you might miss something it's gone yeah. um yeah, yeah I, exactly I, I meant i meant to say too and i and i skipped this scene earlier when when john right before john was walking on 42nd street and was getting harassed by people there's this really short scene of these two kind of menacing guys in an office building uh, talking about how this is an, a problem in New York, this vigilanteism, and it's not going to look good for the upcoming elections, and it needs to be taken care of. And what you later find out is one of those guys is a CIA guy, um, and so yeah. there's like a conspiracy going on that will get that'll come back into play in a little bit. But uh, back in the pedophile pad, Dalton shows up. The, to check it out and he gets the rundown he sees the charred sicko which is really cool special effects by the way uh the, yeah the guy who's all burned up yeah no i mean the, he uh it's like a obviously it's you know a mannequin or a fake body yeah. you know it looks charred it looks amazing so like if stan winston worked on that i totally see it but um it was it was pretty brutal because you saw his fucking dick and it was all <laughs> charred and burned and everything yeah. um and i gotta say I sent you a picture of it. There was um, a shot in the movie, yeah. the scene prior, where uh, Gendry Gindy is. Uh, <laughs> Gindy. I always keep calling him Gendry, which is the the guy who did 
did Samurai Jack, you know, that yeah. animator. Yeah. Um, I always keep That's calling him name? that. Um, yeah, Gendry or whatever. Uh, but yeah, uh, uh, John. Um, John is standing there, and there's, I think it's before, it's when he's dousing that guy with, with lighter fluid. And there's a couple pictures on the wall, and the DVD blurs out one of the pictures. Yes. Um, I don't know if that was in the original release or whatever, but it's interesting to me because I was like, oh, so so they they had these you know set decorations in there that they then had to go later and, and bleep out. Yeah. What the fuck was that picture that they had on the wall? Because now, with Dalton talking to that reporter chick standing in front of a wall of dicks, and, and none of that gets bleeped out, like a wall of pictures of dicks. Yes, <laughs> and, he, and 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 Dalton or whatever is talking to that that reporter lady. She doesn't even blink once. She doesn't look at the dicks once. And there's like eight dicks right there, right by his head, all over the place. If I was that actor, I'd be like, "Do we really have to have me standing right next to all these dicks? It's a bunch of dicks." And they didn't believe any of that out. So I really got to wonder. I wonder if like. No, I don't know. I wonder if like like they accidentally put up a, a picture of somebody underage or something in that that shot, and yeah. they had to like bleep it out or whatever. That was but, my like, guess. I was like, wow. That was my like, guess. Why that would may- you? Maybe yeah, they actually. Why would you uh, uh, set de- decorate something? Why would you set decorate something and then uh, bleep it out? It looks like when you watch reality TV yeah. and someone's wearing a, a shirt that's like has a Nike symbol on it or something, yeah. and so they have to bleep it out because they don't get they don't have the rights to it. I was like, but this is a movie. So everything is is set decorated. Everything has somebody checking it. You know what I mean? And I'm like, what did you fuck up that you had to bleep that out later? Yeah, I'm 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 curious about that too. Um, not not curious enough to watch the DVD with commentary, but you know that 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 that, that question might get answered. Uh, but I'm not gonna take the time. Maybe I'll just skip to that scene specifically and and see what the the you know the, <laughs> the commentary has to say. But yeah, you're right. Like it, it's such an odd moment, and it's pretty obvious too where you're like that seems odd that they would have to blur that out that was my guess too that maybe there was some underage shenanigans going on there and that's why they had to blur it out uh i hope not i hope maybe it was just you know fucked up way of filming yeah no i yeah i i i don't want to accuse that there's i'm just speculating no 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 and and i get it but back to all back to the wall of dicks next to yes. uh, next to Dylan or what's his name? What Dal- the fuck is Dalton? Uh, Dalton. Yeah. And I will say like that. This is like the most satisfying scene of the movie for me, because I think uh, it's not just the fact that I'm a parent. And, and but I think, you know, just seeing seeing scumbags like that, that is like the lowest of the low, in my opinion, uh, yeah. getting their comeuppance. It's pretty fantastic. I think there was in the movie eight millimeter, which is a. I I love eight millimeter. It's a, it's a Nicolas Cage movie uh, from the yeah, late good thriller. 90s. Yeah, good, really good thriller. And there's a whole pedophile angle to it, and it's just great to see like, uh, you know, people getting their th- those type of people getting their fucking comeuppance. But um, yeah. yeah, so at that point, Dalton's there getting his rundown, and it cuts to him at the precinct, and he gets a call from uh, the CIA. Oh, no, sorry. The precinct gets a call from the CIA, and uh, and I, 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 this was like a pretty like short, not kind of felt insignificant at the time scene to me. Uh, and then he's he what? But what I love about this scene is he he takes two forks, 
that are connected to his light and he hooks him up to a hot dog and he's cooking a hot dog when uh, his girlfriend Megan calls him and she's like, what are you doing? You know? And he's like, uh, <laughs> and he's like, oh, I'm just doing work or whatever. And she's like, you want to take a break? And, <laughs> and they have to fit it. They have to finish showing the hot dog cook while he's on the phone <laughs> with her, finish the hot dog cooking, put it on the bun and actually take a bite of it before the scene ends. <laughs> I I was I was mesmerized by the hot dog. I was like, "What <laughs> the know. fuck is happening?" Because he like it's like Jimmy rigged. It's yeah, like dude. With wires and and duct tape, and he he puts two like the fork into one side and the other fork into the other, which I guess creates the current, yep, right? Yep. And he's heating <laughs> it up by is he, by electrocuting it. I it's like I guess it's a form of microwaving it from the inside. And I guess my takeaway was like. As you find out that he he was in Vietnam too. Yes, yes. So like, was that maybe like a character yes. thing? Like, is that something that that people did back in Vietnam? I don't yeah. know. But I was like, I've never seen this for my life, and it was it was wild. Yeah, it was wild. I, I, I yeah. One on one hand, it's hilarious. On two, I think it's kind of a cool uh, illusion that he that this is something he had to do to survive back back in Nam. You know, um, and, and now he just sort of does it because he just does it. It's like, ah, oh, it's a part of my thing now. Yeah. Like, you know, you learn the skill and then it just becomes ingrained in you. And I love when she when she's like, you know, want to take a break? And uh, and he's like, yeah, I think for, I, I'm messing this up a little bit. But but I think she says or he says, yeah, there's a jazz concert at Battery Park. No. Oh, she she tells him there's she a tell. jazz concert. That's at Battery right. Park. She's like, oh, yeah. I was like, I'll be there. I'll be there in 30 minutes. And then, yeah, cut to <laughs> cut, cut to the. Cut to the jazz, the jazz party. The jazz party, uh, probably I, the same night they filmed the picnic scene uh, because the wind was still picking up there. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, you know, Megan meets, uh, she sees an old friend of hers and, and the old friend is like some trashy chick. She, I'm like, ah, these are the chicks I couldn't stand when I was dating back in the day. Like you're, you're annoying uh, because she, because, because Dalton's there on a date and, with her with Megan and uh and she's like, Hey, you wanna smoke a joint? And and uh and she's like, Well he's a cop or or like who, who what do you do? And he's like, I'm a cop and she's like, Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, yeah, my God, this is crazy times and fucking white privilege. So uh and so from there you cut to Dalton and Megan walking leaving the leaving the the jazz fest or whatever the shit and and, and uh and he reveals that he was in Nam while she was like, you know, in Cambridge in college or whatever in the UK and just how different they are. And it's kind of a cool moment because I'm just like, yeah, this guy, this guy's a hardened badass. You know, he's uh, he's like Ginty. He doesn't necessarily have that. He, he's, he's a little bit more rugged. <laughs> than, yeah, he's, uh, than, he's definitely more rugged than Ginty yeah. is. But he's he's a badass, you know, and, and, and he's trying to and look, he's doing his job. He, he has to catch people that kill people. And whether yeah. it's good for good or reasons or not, and that's his job. Uh, so he's not a bad dude. And from there, you, uh, the ghetto ghouls are mugging this old lady. And one of the ghouls is the dude from Batteries Not Included, the guy who uh, John had tied up in the beginning of the movie getting info from. And yeah. they they beat the shit out of the, the old lady, and they're just total scumbags. And this dude rolls up on his motorcycle to, to help out the old lady and they put it, put a knife to him and, and he's like, Hey man, I don't want any trouble or whatever. And they, and they take off and they leave him be. And then Ginty comes out of nowhere 
and uh, you know, <laughs> takes the kid's fucking motorcycle at, at gunpoint. You know. <laughs> Yeah, at, at gunpoint. He like does the whole thing where he pushes his head down, puts the gun to his back yeah. of his head, and he, I'm like, I'm like Jesus. He does not like. Ah, it's so weird. It's, <laughs> it's so weird. weird. Like that was. Yeah. It was so brutal. Like, why did he have to put the gun to the back of that guy's head? And again, all these, all these like reactionary characters are so good. Like yeah. that guy. That guy was good. The kid with the motorcycle. He was. He did a good job of 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 the the whole 30 seconds that he was on screen he sold it I, the director does a great job with uh, uh tertiary characters he does yes. a great job with the characters that have to react to to Gendy because yeah. Gendy is so i want to say wooden but the guy is so soft and, and melty looking that i can't use the phrase wooden because his face looks like it's always melting and and he just looks like a he looks like droopy dog i will tell you that if you need to find find the 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 mystery science theater 3000 um because they they rail on his acting ability uh in in that film and it's very similar to what he does in this film he didn't do that his whole career like in lover boy he's he's great in lover boy and and like in later movies i think he when he had a chance to do more range like with comedy he's he's just different more entertaining in my opinion but yeah it's it, it is definitely a shortcoming of him it's just it's like you're just like, come on, dude. You're not working for me right now. I just give me, give me, give me John Berthnall or whatever the fuck that guy's name is from the new Punisher series. But uh, oh yeah, well he's right? he's the best Punisher we've ever had on screen. Oh, no doubt. But um, <clears throat> but it, there's a couple shots where the director does some straight up like straight face shots of Gendy trying yeah. to look tough and and every time I'm thinking I'm like how the fuck did this guy become like a, a movie star? Like how the <laughs> fuck did that happen? Right. Totally, dude. I don't, no, I, uh, he, because he partied with Jimi Hendrix and Janis Joplin. That's why. So, <laughs> but that, that, that'll God get you damn. somewhere in life. It, uh, usually dead probably, but D- dead uh, by 60, dead yeah, by de- 60. That's yes, where it gets you. Right. So he drives off to go get the ghouls and the ghouls are in the car partying and celebrating with their, their big win, which it doesn't seem to be a whole lot. Cause they're like, how much money did you get? And, and, and he's like, this is it. And like, I didn't get any money or, you know, they're basically just, all high on drugs and, 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 and goofing with each other. And, um, you see John roll up on his, on the motorcycle and pulls out his gun. And when they pull over this, they get to a stoplight pulls over and just blasts the fucking driver and, uh, or blasts the dude that gets out of the car. Right. Is that what happened? Yeah. Yeah. yeah Cause yeah. yeah, he, yeah the, the guy that he, you know, did the whole, uh, torture thing, uh, yes. got out of the car and again I tracked it because when he shoots that guy that guy flies back yes. and I I liked shot. that that's that's what I liked I dug that I was like yeah that's cool you really got to see like the power of the magnum uh yes. right there and yes. then the other two guys like peel off while and he has to go chase after the other two guys but yeah, yeah he blasts the shit out of that dude blasts the shit out of him pull and they peel off and he goes after him uh but then it, as the chase continues, he bails on his bike and it's a well, really, he, he doesn't, he doesn't bail. He, he, 
he fucks up. He 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 sucks. I wrote that down. I go. I say my my words are our protagonist doesn't know how to fucking ride a motorcycle because he fucking he bites it. He fucking bites it. But then he does he does a good job when they they swing back around to kind of like you know basically go run him drive him down yeah. like a, a Mad Max sort of like scenario. And yeah. I like the fact that he he pulls out his gun and he takes his like his second to to actually aim and just and this is what I liked. He shoots the the driver but you also see like the the window behind the driver like blow out too so you know that the bullet like went straight through it and then the whole the 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 passenger in the car you know he's still alive but the driver dead instantly like you know that shit just killed him like instantaneously and then the car like kind of drives off and 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 explodes and whatnot but uh, it wasn't the most by the way it was great yeah great explosion actually the whole car chase scene was was decent i mean it was no no invasion usa level but like i was like okay but for the budget i was like i I gotta give it props the it was really good they had no problem fucking up that beautiful car and uh you know i I, we may not have the most graceful uh protagonist here but he got the job done he he did his job you know um and i thought at this point he would go return the bike uh to that guy but he doesn't he keeps it so he's kind of a scumbag too yeah he keeps it uh for later on and 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 I'm assuming it's it's the next day or, or soon after uh, because, because the fire department shows up and and Dalton shows up and then the CIA agent from earlier in the movie shows up uh, and he's interested in finding the exterminator. And uh, he calls up uh, Dalton calls up Megan and she wants a uh, she's like, have you have you ever heard of a midnight admission? <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> what the midnight mission what's going on here and they cut back to the hospital and Dalton and Megan are about to hook up in a spare bedroom uh, operating room or whatever and while John at the same time shows up on the same floor like diagonally across where Michael has been you know sitting in, in his in his in in his uh, on his hospital bed for the past couple of days and he he reveals to you know, to Michael that Maria, his wife is fine. And the kids have finally taken the money he's been giving him. And then out of nowhere, John's like, you know, I'll, I'll cut you off the ventilation system if you want me to and I'm like, wait, whoa, 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 what? Where did this come from? I saw that. I saw that coming and, and I actually kind of liked it. Cause, cause he, he says to him, he goes, we never did bullshit each other. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, I'll, you know, I'll do this yeah. for you if you want, just blink twice. And, and so of course, you know, he does. And it is done um, in such like, a dramatic yeah. way. It, it, the way he blinks, it, it's it's a it's such a well acted blink. <laughs> I, yeah. I know that sounds yeah. silly, but but I can feel the emotion. You know. Yeah. No. He uh, he emotes more paralyzed <laughs> than than Gindy does the entire fucking movie. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, because yeah, he cuts him off. And I do like the scene too, because when he turns all the machines off and he dies pretty instantly, it's like instantly dead. Um, Ginty takes the the cord from the wall and he takes a knife out and he cuts the cord, just making sure that there's no way that they can bring this guy back, which is really, yeah. that's, that's really well thought out. And you know what? That's friendship right there. And if you ever need me to kill you, <laughs> if you're in that position, I would totally do it for you, buddy. Ditto, 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 bro. <laughs> Thank you. Ditto, bro. Oregon, Oregon is a legally assisted suicide state, so you're uh, you're you're good to go on that boat. Oh, I'm good to boat. go. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So at the same time, all the buzzers are going off. Uh, Dalton and Megan 
apparently are taking a nap. I don't think they were they were doing it. I don't think they're having sex because they like seem like they just woke up. Uh, and so they they and all the confusion come out. And, you know, Megan goes down to check out what's going on. And John comes out. His his flies open. He's got his he's got his wife beater on. I know wife beater is not a term you can use anymore, but whatever his, his, a, his a frame shirt, or I don't know, a shirt. Um, and is that what they're called now? I think I'm, they're called, I'm so I disassociated think, from like pop culture. Like I, at the age of 41, I've chosen to be an old man in some regards where I, I don't want new technology and it will <laughs> always be wife beater to me, man. Yeah, dude. I, it, it, I don't know any other word to call it. Well, it's a it's a tank it's an undershirt tank top, but they they do call them A shirts because they look like something to do with the letter A. Um, okay, but whatever. Yeah. So, anyways, he comes out with his with his pants open and his his wife beater on, and uh, John he sees John. They confront each other, but they don't realize who they are. Like John, he doesn't realize John is the guy. Which is it's a cool moment because John looks at him and goes, "Your flies down." But it's in the, the delivery is great. It is a great scene, I think. It, it was it was Gindy's best delivery in the entire yes. fucking movie. Yeah. I gotta say because and also it's a funny scene and he's having a moment to show the sense of humor. Uh, so and also like I said earlier, he's the the comedies I saw him in. He was really good in, and so maybe he's just better at that. But. Whatever, uh, and then they, then they realize he re- Dalton realizes that John's the exterminator, and uh, and it cuts to the next scene where Dalton's back at the precinct, and he wa- it's a f- hilarious scene because he walks in the precinct with his with his windbreaker jacket on and his wife beater shirt and his jacket's open, and and the police chief is like, you know, Dalton, what's the matter with you or something like that? Kind yeah. of like, hey man, and uh, and Dalton just zips his jacket up like that. Suddenly makes it more professional now that he's you know. But he but he does the thing of like he zips it up, then he does the arm motion of like, are you happy now? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I yeah, love that great, too, man. It was, a, it was a fun little like he's like I you know, like I'm in a hurry basically. But yeah. yeah, I like that too. Yeah, I, I dug that. I liked it. Yeah, and so and now Dalton's like trying to track John down, and he's t- you know earlier in the movie. Uh, he's he, he's realizing that the, that the the exterminator is most likely a Vietnam vet because he had an M16 and you don't just get those. Uh, you, you gotta you gotta be you know soldiers get those. So now he's narrowing it down to specific people and he's trying to figure out who it is. And at the same time, right after that, he pulls out this foot locker that is the exact same foot locker that John has. And I'm like, oh shit, because obviously they're both in Nam. And Dalton opens up his foot locker and pulls out one of the coolest looking guns I've seen uh, in an early eighties movie. It's like a shotgun kind of, it, it looks like a futuristic shotgun. Uh, and he loads the thing up and it's so badass Cause he, he's like taking every single shotgun shell that he has and he's loading it in and he's putting them in his pockets. Cause he's ready to party. This is a cyborg moment for me where I'm like, you got this great fucking gun and you use it once. Yeah. Yeah. And like, sadly. damn it. You should have, yeah. and you, you could go, cause you go back to your like Colt 45 or whatever the standard deal is. And then Diallo even joked later on. He's like, maybe the set, maybe the, um, the gun wrangler forgot it. Like he, they left it and they're like, Oh shit. We can't, we don't have time to go back and grab the gun. Nah, just use the 45, you know, <laughs> but, uh, they, they, they track John's house down. Or just, sorry, John goes to Maria's house to tell her that. She, and again, Diallo's like, he's had two scenes with Maria. 
first scene he see it has with her, he tells her that Michael is paralyzed. The second, the second scene he has with Maria is he tells her that he's killed him. He's killed Michael (laughs) and she screams and she's having a meltdown clearly. And the kids come in. They're like, mom, what's wrong? Mommy, mommy. And they cut from that scene uh, to Dalton getting, finding out the call who, who John is. And that, and then and, and the, the, he got there. The reason he, how he got there was um, he 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 figured okay if that guy is the exterminator, what's his really who's the guy that he killed? Uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, his buddy. Right. Yeah. Um, so he's like okay, then who basically who was in that guy's unit that's yes. like sort of still alive? So you know, and, and, it's and smart. this is that's the, smart. the weird thing about this movie. Yeah, it, it's got these weird smart things, but the camera and the director don't focus on the smart stuff. They you know. <laughs> It goes over here and does this other stuff, but like the he, the director is also the writer of the film, and he he's got a good mind for logic. Like yeah. like things play out kind of logically, but then then at the same time they don't because you're like he you know earlier when when you know he kills John kills those uh, ghetto ghouls on the yeah. motor with his with the motorcycle like that was just serendipity that he kind of came across them like he didn't he wasn't like actively pursuing he wasn't stalking them, them there no you're right yeah. yeah you're right yeah that 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 was that was a that was a shitty scene because i thought yeah because he's st- like that that's when he stumbled on the the motorcycle guy that and i assumed like maybe he thought he was one of the bad guys at first and then he realized he wasn't yes yeah. but he took his bike that's anyways. what i thought too yeah, yeah, when when he was gonna like put the gun in the back of his head, I thought that was like, oh no, he's mistaking him for the bad guys. Like, yeah. no, he's no. just stealing his car, or <laughs> he's, he's just stealing, stealing his bike. motorcycle. Yeah, and and he's being an asshole about it. Yeah, he's traumatizing that poor bastard. But but I do like the the connection of how he kind of tracked down who John was. It was actually very, like yeah. you said, it's very well thought yeah, out. It was, and it, it was like real police work. It was like yeah. real detective work. You just yeah. didn't see it too much. Yeah, and then at that point, like uh, Dalton has infl- is now about to infiltrate. Uh, John's pad and his his apartment and this was the moment where Diallo and I both were like wow this is really well shot like the cool angles from above yeah and the way the cops are all kind of uh, stationed out and they're moving in on John's place and they bust in and he's gone because he's still at Maria's and they cut to Maria's and he's and he's leaving and he's hugging Maria and he's saying goodbye and I'm like okay so Maria I guess I'm assuming he explained to Maria why he had to do it. And she understands, uh, again, giving credit where, you know, maybe there isn't any due, but, um, John shows up on his, he rolls up on that stolen motorcycle and to his place and sees the cops outside. And he, instead of going towards his place, he splits and takes off and you cut back to, uh, John's pad where Dalton is still, he's flipping through the anarchist's cookbook, which I thought was kind of a cool moment in like the most like <laughs> contrived shot ever. Yeah. Where like, thing? you know, like where he's, where the actor is holding the book at a weird precarious, like, <laughs> like angle that yeah. he, that the character would never normally hold it, but the actor has to, in order to get the shot with it, yeah. you know? But I was like, okay, that's, that's kind of, that's very like actory. Like you have to do that type of thing. Yeah, like oh, let's see what's going in this thing. Blah 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 blah. Okay, looking, 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 and then suddenly the phone rings, and it's it's John calling Dalton, and uh, and he's you know he says meet me at three a.m. at the Navy shipyard, and uh, Dalton smiles and hangs up. And at the same time, CIA has tapped the phone, 
and they know where Dalton's going to, or where John's going to be that night too. Cut to the, this Navy ship. And I joked to Diallo. I said, I said, I guarantee you they, the, the one of the guys was like, okay, I got this great idea. We got this ship. We got it from maybe like two hours though. This great Navy ship has no connection whatsoever to the entire fucking movie, but let's go shoot. Cause it'll look really cool. You know, and because it has zero connection to the entire movie. They should have done it at the meatpacking district. They could have like bring it back to where we started in the beginning. A helicopter yard where the helicopter that lifted him off out of Vietnam was, you know, fun. One minor thing I want to point out, speaking of Vietnam, when he's being, when they're being airlifted out in that scene in Vietnam, uh, they, uh, John rips open his shirt and he's wearing like a bullet or they put a bulletproof vest on top of John's chest. That'll come back into play in about two or three minutes, depending on how long this scene takes for us to discuss. Um, mm-hmm. But they're back at the shipyard. John sees John's above on this giant aircraft carrier or whatever, sees Dalton and uh, vice versa. And, and at the same point, at that point, I'm like, Where's his fucking shotgun? The badass shotgun that he had. Dalton's shotgun. It's gone. It's his like, Colt 45. What did he leave it at John's house? Like he didn't bring his, the thing that he loaded up so many moments for the movie Phantasm 2. That's why I love one of the reasons I love that movie so much because they've got great weapons in that movie and they use them through the entire movie. Like finally someone got it. You know what I'm saying? On an indie level, yeah, I, I totally, I'm totally with you on that one. Um, I mean, this is the most anticlimactic yeah. climax I've I've ever seen in a movie. Um, I didn't even track uh, the the shotgun because, I, well, first off, the whole time I was like, why isn't he using his flamethrower? Uh, oh John, yeah, I mean, you know? yeah, the flamethrower um, earlier, dude. Yeah, like okay, yeah, I mean, that, that, that's that's scene, gone, but like, this, yeah, yeah, but yeah, the, this this I was like, I was, at this point, I was like, and I and I I knew at this point that i i paused it like right before the scene and uh-huh. there was only like like nine minutes left in the movie and i was like yeah. okay this is the climactic shootout but i'm like but there's only two of them here how is this gonna go down and then i started realizing like oh god is this gonna be a fizzling a, a fizzler of an end and it was i mean yeah, so it is. yeah <laughs> it, it's, it's really it's really sad because it didn't have to go that way um you know dalton's hunting john uh john jumps dalton and not knocks Dalton down, and and, uh, and and then out of nowhere, John utters the line, "You see, that's what it's like to be a victim." And it's like that's yeah. it, that's it. And then at, right after that happens, Dalton gets shot, and 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 you realize yeah, Dalton gets shot in the in the chest, in like, the chest, straight up, the, like, wow, yeah, opposite side of where the heart is, so he could still live. I'm like, okay, he's not dead yet, and uh, and then they realize at that point. That well, I think they they maybe shot uh, showed the guy earlier the sniper. There's a sniper taking him out, a CIA sniper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They did show like a quick shot. Yeah, and the whole CIA background story was so poorly done yeah. that I couldn't even track it i mean it literally adds up to like four minutes of screen time in the entire movie but yeah. yet it's the main like crux of the ending here yeah it, it is it's the catalyst for 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 john's demise so to speak so to speak because what ends up happening is they they keep shooting 
and Dalton is now buddies with John. Like they're, they're, they're like homeboys. Cause in Dalton's like, you know, I'll cover you, you know? And, uh, and, and, and John's like, no, no, you know, next thing you know, Dalton gets shot again and he's dead at this point. Yeah. He's, t- and, and so, uh, Dalton, uh, or John gets shot and, and then falls off of the ship, right? Into the water. And you think he's dead too. And then <laughs> it's like ADR after the fact you hear this, you hear the one CIA guy say to the sniper, he's like, Washington will be pleased because we're still in my <laughs> late seventies, you know, the government, you know, it wasn't the soldier's fault for going to Nam. It was our government that forced us to go to Nam. It was the politicians. So the politicians are really the bad guys who are the real villains in all this, the politicians, right? Yeah. And so, yeah. Cause the, that Senator guy in the, in the pedophile house or whatever. Yeah. yeah. He's a Senator. And yeah. then these guys are the, the CIA, uh, uh, guys. Um, but yeah, I guess that's the main antagonist is, is the government, Washington. And, the, yeah. and that's my last note that I have quotation marks. Washington will be pleased. I was like, man, that was heavy handed. Yeah. That was super heavy handed. And, and then at that point too, I'm like, Oh, you killed Dalton. Dalton was a cool character. I really like Dalton. I, I got, I got this, like I feel like if this had a, a a smarter script, you would have had a more of a buddy connection between ultimately the cop and the vigilante. Like they shared this connection, right? But they didn't go there. So it's neither here nor there. But it cuts to you think it's over, and then it cuts to the day daylight and John's alive in the water, washing the shore. And Diallo, like immediately Diallo had never seen this movie, and he goes he goes, I guarantee you that's Ellis Island. That's got to be Ellis mm. Island. And they cut, they pull the camera back and he's washing ashore to Lady Liberty, Ellis Island. He's alive, I wrote. And then and, that's and, and he's, credits. He's, he like was taken off his shirt and he's got the flak jacket on yes. underneath. Yeah, that's sorry. That was, I just blew the punchline. So yeah, he, he, get, <laughs> he gets to shore and he rips his shirt open and he's wearing the bulletproof vest that he was wearing in the beginning of the movie. And, yeah. the, and the credits end you know, where you cut to filming around New York and you got that, that song, another like kind of ballad playing in the background, very disjointed, like doesn't really connect, uh, to the movie at all. And that's your exterminator. Yeah, that's, uh, that's <laughs> something right there is what that is. Yeah, <laughs> I, it was something. Yeah, it was, uh, God, that, that ending, man, like, like, you know, uh, I don't even know like where to begin. I mean, I you know I said everything on on from the past two and a half hours, but like this movie had 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 bright spots. Yeah, um, it had weird disjointness to it that I felt like I don't know. I just I just felt like it didn't adhere to like normal story cinema storytelling rules yeah. which is fine you can break them that that's okay but like here the, the the rules that they broke didn't really pay off that well um i wanted to see that like if the cia guys were gonna be the guys that sort of like finish this whole thing i would rather have had some kind of connection to them you only sort of see them like you know before dalton goes makes that phone call one of the two cia guys is looking menacing but he's smoking a pipe and i'm like ah how menacing can you be oh yeah smoking that pipe pipe you know it's great and it's just like like a pirate pipe i didn't even i didn't even know to like sort of pay attention to them i didn't take any notes on on that on that i 
track that as like a C-level plot that all of a sudden just basically rears its ugly head at the very end, uh, almost like Deus Ex, Deus Ex Machina style, like just out of the blue. Um, yeah. But I mean, they did pepper it in, so it wasn't too, too out of the blue. But yeah, this movie was just so structurally weird, but yet oddly charming at the same time. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I don't, I, it's the first time I've ever seen it, just like Diallo. Um, I, I don't know if I'll, I don't know. I don't know if I'll ever see it again. I didn't hate my time with it. I loved talking about it much more <laughs> than like the movie itself. But I mean, this movie does have some pretty amazing moments in it that yeah. it shouldn't have had. Like it didn't deserve to have. No, this movie... It- didn't deserve to have his that that cool fucking head getting cut off shot. It didn't deserve to have that cool burned body with the dude's dick hanging out. You know, like it didn't deserve to have shit as cool as that in it because the movie wasn't that cool. It didn't deserve to have that um that whorehouse manager guy that was awesome. Like yeah. like the way he delivered his lines and everything. It didn't deserve to have that that actor in it, but it did, and that's what made this movie from from com- forgettable to like just bonkers just batshit crazy this movie was fucking bonkers yeah i think that's why this that's why this movie has stood the test of time in the sense that it, it, it it's it's an exploitation cult classic where people go oh if you think about there's this movie is very similar to a lot of movies uh during this time where it had a a few great moments, just enough great moments for it to be remembered and revered on that level. But at the end of the day, is it a movie that is worthy necessarily of all that praise? Maybe not so much. Uh, I mean, I, I enjoyed it again, uh, watching it again. I think, like I said, I watched it a bunch of times as a kid, maybe like three or four times and had like no recollection. <laughs> so I must've been, so really it was young. almost like new to you when you were watching it this time in many ways. Yeah. I mean, I remembered like as scenes would come up, like the, I, the pedophile scene, I didn't remember. Uh, maybe I left the room when that happened. I don't know. M- my brother protected me from that, <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, but I feel like, it, it 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 laid the groundwork for a lot of movies that are better than it um and that's not a bad thing that's a, that's a good thing yeah. you know and yeah, I, no no so sometimes you need movies like this to exist in order for us to get better versions of it yeah and i feel like you know you said it in the beginning of the show um the whole point of 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 our podcast on, on on one level is to is to revisit movies to see if they still hold up to see if they still have that same impact that they had when we were kids you know <laughs> and and i think in some ways this does like that yeah the opening 15 minutes you're like what the fuck is happening and then if you just if you could just cut it's like the it's i don't eat meat anymore but i remember when i would get like a nice big steak and there would be like a shit ton of fat on there. And I'm like, okay, I mean, I could eat that fat if I wanted to, but now I got to call out, cut, I should just cut all that fat off. And what I have at the end of it is a smaller steak that is really good, but, you know, there's a shit ton of fat that just like built up over there. I don't need that. It's kind of the yeah. same deal. Yeah, but then. 
but then they cut other things that they should have like kept in to make the story like more cohesive it's such a it's such a weird train wreck of a of a movie (laughs) that you know i uh, it's it's you know my takeaway is and i'm you know i'm seeing it for the first time at the age of 41 and i was thoroughly entertained during the entire film and and you know just as perplexed as i was entertained so i was like what is happening um (laughs) i I highly recommend people watching it if they've never seen it before but not buying it i can't recommend like this is like something you you should own but it's definitely something if you've seen a bunch of other movies and you've never seen this fucking check it out you know i'd say you know what i'd say it's worth it just to see some of the establishing shots of new york um especially in that like that mid uh mid time uh where they were like where where they were where he was walking through like times square or something like that and it's just some beautiful shots of of 1980 new york and honestly it's almost worth it just for that but then equally it's also worth it as like a cautionary tale of like what not to take away from a movie <laughs> yeah. and uh, as far as like what to not to trim uh you know meaning shots and and story elements and stuff like that and it's it's almost could be used as like you know movie making 101 as as to what not to do but it's still it's still highly entertaining to watch and that's what's very perplexing about it and then i mean gendy He's just not an action guy, but yet he has some kind of a charm. Uh, he's got some kind of a charm you know to what? him that that I enjoyed. Yep. He's got an he. I, I I honestly, and I'm not I'm not joking. He's got this X factor about him that makes you want to see what he's going to do next. And right, okay, and and to that to that point, uh, if you say like you know you, you see the like, two actors over here, right? Uh, one guy is good looking but with no X factor. The other guy is good looking with the X factor. He becomes a superstar. This guy Gendry is a, is an example of someone who has no looks whatsoever, and he's all X factor. He's one hundred percent X factor. He is the X factor. He is the X factor. Yeah, dude, I think so. Like. Look, again, I feel like uh, I, I've said it. This is my third time now saying it. Find that Mystery Science Theater 3000 uh, goof on uh, Ginty in Warrior of the Lost World or whatever it's called. It's so great. It's so it's so you will laugh your ass off because they just they just pick apart just the fact that he mumbles all the time. <laughs> I don't know what's going on out here. And, and the fact that Kurt Russell use this influence for snake Pliskin. just call me snake you know that's just how i talk through the whole thing and, that's and you think that's about insanity to me i can't i still can't believe that i, but, I mean i believe it like i i, yeah. I believe you're telling the truth but like i can't believe that that this would have some kind of a connection to to that classic film no and then well and there is another connection the same production company you know avco embassy but um right but 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 yeah and then you know ginty through the whole thing is like yeah, you know, this is how you get along. This is what you do in New York. Do you got to do what you got to do? And and then he'll have his moments where he's like, "That was my friend, motherfucker," you know, or like, "This is this is what it feels like to to be vic- to be the victim," you know. And then you're like, "Oh shit, that's a great line. That's that's a really great line in a really yeah. misplaced scene on an aircraft carrier. <laughs> okay, on a battleship." Uh, sure, but yeah, they should have set it in Central Park. It would have been so much better if they sent that last scene in Central Park, uh, you know, where shit went down. No one's getting mugged on an aircraft carrier unless 
you know, you're a female in the military in the 80s. Most likely that happened. But, you know, like bystanders, like little old ladies, none of that was happening on an aircraft. Do it in Central Park. That would have been so yeah. much. Do it at the Jazz Fest, you know? I I feel <laughs> like this would be a perfect movie to remake. I, I, I hate the fact that, like, people always remake movies that we all love. I, yeah. I feel like you should remake a movie that sucks, that has some good ideas to it, and then just make it better and make it the way that it should have been made in the first place. Yeah. Um, it's like, th- I, I think this is a perfect movie where, you, you know, you rely more heavily on the flamethrower. I think we talked about that in Cyborg. Like, remake it, but then, like, actually have him use his awesome-ass gun and stuff like that, Dude. you know? Yeah. And this would be a perfect movie to be remade. Dude. Dude, uh, like I said, Phantasm Two, yeah, it, it used utilized the flamethrower so well in 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 that movie on a even I think they might have well, probably a similar budget to this. The four barrel shotgun, you're like, this is the greatest shotgun I've ever seen in my entire life, and they're gonna use this thing enough times for you to feel fulfilled. They did not use the firepower, the flamethrower and the shotgun. Like, come on. Those are great weapons. They had the M16 he used in one scene. And I'm like, what happened in the M16? I guess it is, you know, that 357 Magnum uh, he he used twice. And and I feel like that was, you know, that's what um, uh, Charles Bronson used in Death Wish that or, uh, you know, or. Dirty Harry, Dirty or Harry something, you, know? you know, and then like yeah. that was that was his deal, you know, and like okay, so you don't you take this great prop. Did the prop guy get fired after this? Well, like we'll have to listen to the commentary. So I, you know, <laughs> and I will say if this if this because it's Synapse did it. I don't even know if Synapse is still around. Uh, yeah, they're still around. Um, Synapse put out this Blu-ray. I think Arrow might be doing a new version of Exterminator. If they had a documentary kind of exploring the history of this, I'd be totally down to watch that. That for me, like the cyborg doc cyborg Blu-ray. Did you buy it from the movie? No, but the, but the, but the behind the scenes re you know, finding the actors that are still alive and talking to them. That was worth it. Like this, yeah. I feel like if this had that, cause this DVD has this, this Blu-ray has a DVD has nothing. and a, and a Blu-ray like, I, for some reason, I always find that funny. We're like, we're going to give you the DVD and the Blu-ray. Like, who in their right mind would just want the DVD nowadays? <laughs> give me a digital download and a Blu-ray. But anyways, give me a digital download. Um, yeah, so at the end of the day, I'm glad. I'm still glad we reviewed it because it was fun to go down yes. the road. And we talked about it for two and a half hours. So uh, that says something about it. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad we saw it. It's It's a movie that I've always seen the cover to. Um, I've, I've, I've always seen it and now I know that I was smart that I dodged it until the age of 41. But I, I honestly think that this is perfect podcasting after dark movie. This is like exactly what we're trying to do, you know? And on one hand, you know, we got return of the living dead and the thing, and those are great. And we all know we love them. But on the other hand, we do have to tackle these movies to see if they if they stand the test of time. Yeah, and dude. This one's a weird one, man. This one's this one's a really really weird one. I gotta say. You know this this would be a great. Uh, and I actually I feel like maybe I saw it there. New Beverly Cinema like double feature. You know Tuesday oh, yeah. Tuesday Forty Second oh, yeah. Street exploitation film. 
This yeah. Would be oh God. Yeah. This is this is perfect for New Beverly. Yeah. So, I'm sure. I'm sure they've played this before. Sitting with a bunch of people, you know, this is one of those party movies where you where you get drunk and you're, you're just like, holy shit, what just happened? You know. Yeah. And, and there's enough moments where you can talk in between and you don't feel like you're losing out on anything. You know. So there you go. Yeah. Party disc. Yeah. That's. I. Yeah. I think. I think that this is definitely like uh, a put it on in the background while you're having a party. If if everyone is of of like mind, you know, uh, enjoying these kind of things. And yeah, it's a fun little background one. Although, granted, I'd probably put uh, Invasion USA on over this just for the the zaniness factor of it. But this this movie had its charms. Yeah. And uh, my takeaway is watch it if you've never seen it. It's fun, but I don't think you need to own it. And, you know, if you've seen it like 10 years ago, you probably don't need to see it now. You remember what it's like. Yeah. So, But I'm glad I watched it. I am very glad I watched it. Um, I'm, I am I loved talking about it probably more than, than you know, watching it. Yeah. Um, that's my favorite part is actually talking about it. But I think I walked away at the end of our conversation liking it a little bit more but probably because i liked the conversation that we had versus like the movie itself you know Agreed. um that's that's my takeaway as someone who has has never seen it before so uh zacky poo where can we find you online my friend Ooh, you could find me on instagram at zach schaefer z-a-k-s-h-a-f-f-e-r um also on the podcast two dollar late fee $2LateFee.com or $2LateFeePodcast on Instagram and on Twitter at Zach Schaefer VO. And uh, yeah, we have a good time. Have a good time on all those little, all those little sites. I'm on Facebook too, but it, that's, you know, whatever. It's neither here nor there. Yeah. I don't really uh, uh, add people on Facebook. Facebook's more for like family and, yeah. and, and whatnot. Um, with, with the yeah, exception I'm, I'm of not even on it that much, to be honest with you. With the, I am all the time on Instagram. Yeah, dude. With the exception of uh, Tony Arlington on Facebook. Yes. yes. Yeah. No. T- Tony's great. I love talking to Tony on mm-hmm. there. Um, he's 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 he definitely makes uh, interacting a lot of fun. And I do. I have noticed that people are starting to interact more on the Facebook page. Yeah. Um, so I I definitely check it, and I will interact if people other people interact but i've noticed that like more people are interacting on our instagram stuff than than on on facebook but we've said it before the the like horror slash cult um community on instagram is very strong Uh, i i love it it's so much so much fun yeah and thanks Um, for all yeah you guys can too like that that's been great all the followers on instagram Mm -hmm. and just like you got y'all y'all make us feel so good inside but Cor- <laughs> I love it. I love it. Makes it fun. Sleazy C, where can we find you? Yeah, buddy. Uh, like I said, Instagram. Always, I'm I'm always on the uh, podcast After Dark Instagram. I'm always on uh, my personal Instagram, which is Corey Nation. Feel free to add me. I'll I'll follow you back. We can we can talk. We can chat. I always I love it. I love uh, talking to everyone about the movies that we review on here. Um, podcasting wise, I'm I'm you know I'm all over the place. Uh, you can find me on most of the BFOP Network shows. Uh, actually, this weekend I'm going to be doing a uh, 
Podcast After Dark watch list with our buddy Brent from Friday Five. So we're going to be talking about, I believe the topic is uh, best uh, sci-fi weapons from like the 80s and the 90s and stuff. So you guys will have to listen to see what we come up with uh, our top five lists. But uh, definitely check out uh, Friday Five podcast. Check out Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. Check out Blast from Our Past podcast. And uh, check out Ongoing Comic Book Discussion podcast, which is my weekly comic book podcast with my buddy Tess, who this is uh, the first time we've actually announced it, but come February, we'll be officially part of the Blast from Our Past network, the BFOP network. So we're bringing OCD podcast in there. Uh, Tess is awesome. We have a lot of fun talking about comic books and everything. And uh, as you guys know, our Patreon page is uh, we try to bring you guys a bunch of great content. Uh, Patreon.com slash podcasting after dark. We have two extra shows there uh, a month. Uh, Zach and I do a show called Wrap Up After Dark and another one called Interviews After Dark. And uh, you've, you've you'll you'll basically we're going to release the interviews uh, f- for free on the free feed once a month, um, and then after that it'll go kind of back to Patreon. So if you guys want to check those out at any point in time, you can do you can do so on Patreon. Um, all proceeds go towards helping the show grow, go towards you know helping Zach and I uh, get to conventions. We we our goal is to eventually do an episode from like monster palooza or something like get a booth and actually record an episode. Um, but you know, probably at first it'll just be sort of us going to shows wearing our podcasting after dark shirts, you know, and kind of like trying to meet people and stuff. But eventually we want to actually do live shows. We want to, uh, you know, have a screening of a movie and then do a recording afterwards and have everyone sort of involved. So we have big plans on what we want to do, but, you know, we'll do them sort of as fast as we can. And uh, one way that, that you guys can sort of help out with is supporting us on Patreon. And and even if you can't afford to pay for Patreon, which is A-OK, n- no problem whatsoever. Um, we still love you guys. It's awesome. But if you want to support the show in other ways, one great way to do it is to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, which is still like the main podcatcher that everyone uses. And the the reviews like help us like show up higher in search results. So it's not just us vanity asking for reviews. They the five star reviews help us actually get new listeners and everything. So if if you don't want to help on on Patreon, like I said, it's all good, no worries. If you can take two minutes and leave us a five star review on on Apple Podcasts, that'd be great. And if you don't use that, then give us a follow on Spotify. That helps too. All of it goes towards the algorithms, guys. It's all algorithms these days. It's all, it's it's all, all it al- is. It's all ag- <laughs> algorithms and shit. Stardust and yeah. shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What happened to Buck Rogers? God damn it. <laughs> Buck Rogers. <laughs> so, all right, guys. Well, we will. Uh, we appreciate all the love that you guys give us, and uh, thank you for tuning in to this, uh, this, this episode of The Exterminator. I didn't think it was going to go for almost three hours, but it yeah. seems to be that's what Zach and I do these days. As, so. <laughs> uh, as, Robert, as Robert Ginty would say, it's really... Join the Podcasting After Dark Patreon community to unlock exclusive monthly content like cast interviews and a fan feedback show. Plus, you get every regular episode of Podcasting After Dark 
completely ad-free. You can also support the show by rating and reviewing us five stars on Apple Podcasts and by recommending us to your friends. Finally, make sure you follow us on Reddit, Instagram, and Facebook for news and updates about future episodes. Just search for Podcasting After Dark. <laughs>